Welcome once again aboard Beef Station. Join us as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Andrew. Oh, oh my fuck. god. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. Do you do that on purpose or are you just trying no, to I steal my up. job? It's been so long. Can I be Oscar then? <laughs> this is no, staying start- in. No, We're I'm not taking again. that shit out. That's start- funny I'm as hell. No, you're not. It's going to be through line. I'm going to keep reminding people that you fucked up the intro. Oh, no, so that, the edit the makes no sense. That's the first thing they hear, but I'm starting again. you just said my Welcome once again aboard Beef Station. Join us as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. I'm Andrew. Fuck, man. It's been quite a bit. It's yeah, been it so long that I just fucked up my own name. Yes, Out of did. all of the bits in that Are introduction that I could have fucked up, I fucked up my name. Yeah. There's a gag about the speed of sound in there. There's a gag about us being on a space station that I could have easily forgot all of that mythology. Heaps. Heaps. Holy fuck. Yep. Um, this is our 101st episode. That's right, 101. How That's good as many that as there are Dalmatians. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very good, and this might not go up for a fair while. <laughs> so what we decided to do, um, we have been fucking busy on a bit of a, an unofficial, one of our many unofficial hiatuses for mm. the last few months. So we want to do our 100th episode justice, and we will probably, hopefully at some point, organize a live show somewhere in Canberra. We've had enough people express enthusiasm about that, that uh, yeah, I'd say it'll go ahead. We just need to sort it out. We'll just do it. So, so, so what we're going to do is we're going to leave a gap between episode 99 and this episode, which is episode 101, mm-hmm. and we will slot in episode 100 in the future at when it's point. recorded. That'll be 100. Seamlessly. That. That's right. It's like the gap between episode zero and episode two. Who the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> this is Andrew. Welcome. <laughs> well, well, well. Yeah, well, apparently all of us are fucking Andrew <laughs> after that cold open, aren't we? We can all be Andrew this week. Welcome to special guest, and Zach. The pod, the pod will be better. Who has returned for what is... Numbered is our 101st episode. <laughs> what is canon-wise our 99th episode. That's right. But what is recording-wise our 100th episode. <laughs> yeah. Because we've only... No, we recorded the first lost episode. Yeah, we, we recorded. We, we didn't release it. it. So oh, right. Is, no, you're so right. So we're recording this is, this right is now. the big 100 in the recorder. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But at number 101. Right. It's very but, And canon-wise, count the number of the episodes in the feed, this is the 99th episode. That's right. Yeah. Fuck, what if we really... Is this good? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it is at all. How are you doing, Zach? Uh, I'm still doing the math. You know, how we, you know how we told you we were going to bring you in? That was it. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I interrupted it and then Oscar forgot his name again. No, you so well. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Happens all, right. all the time. No, welcome back. Uh, we are, of course, for our 101st episode, doing uh, 101 Dalmatians. Yep. <laughs> oh, that would have been all right, hey. Um, no, we, we're doing the dry this week. We're doing a 2021 Australian crime drama... I was going to say crime thriller, crime drama mm. called The Dry, starring Eric Banner. I know nothing else about the production of the film, but we'll tackle it later. Mm-hmm. Keeping in theme with the dry spell that the uh, pod's been going through, huh? Fuck oh, you. That's very nice. Mm. That's very nice. <laughs> this You're was, out of the app. This <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm turning him down right now. Um, this was uh, Zach's suggestion, actually, mm. The Dry. Yep. So he's been frothing to do it for a little while. That's and true. He's been out for a while. That's true. And hopefully we'll continue to be out for a while because there ain't any other fucking countries making mm. movies right now. <laughs> so it's time for the Australian film to shine, baby. There you go. And it was a, a, a great little fucking movie that we'll talk about later in the show. Mm. Um, I was right, by the way. There is a remake with uh, Corella Deville played by Emma Stone. Is it out yet? Called Corella. Apparently not. There you go. Mm. Should we? 28th sh- of May. Should we? Sorry, are we? <laughs> are we having our own conversations here? I just really like when I'm right. Great. So I just wanted to go back and cover that ground. Anyway, back <laughs> to the dry. 
Back to the dry? Mm-hmm. No. Should we? Well, back to the fact that we're going to cover the dry should later. We, should we try and get back some news? news? I don't have heaps of news, but we'll see if we can get some. Okay, right. That's right. It's only been about two months. Fuck, I think I've lost a bit of range in the last few Yeah, you might have. That was hard. Beef bullet. Beef bullet. Is this what it's like getting old? Yeah. Beef bulletin. Got some news <laughs> happening. Um, heaps of shit has happened, but it seems like when we're not here watching the skies, boy, mm. Hollywood goes fucking crazy. There's a the amount of reboots and fucking shit sequels and Marvel nonsense that's been happening over the last few months, and we haven't yeah. been here to keep them in check. It's famously recut a- DC films as well. Yeah, that's right. DC's gone fucking wild too. Mm. Yeah. WandaVision, which I haven't watched, which is, which is apparently just Marvel superheroes in like remaking every sitcom over that's ever existed or some shit. That's that's happening and going gangbusters, and people yeah. think that it's the God's gift to writing, reaching Fucking Tiger King's level of popularity. Disney is that. doing a gritty gritty reboot prequel of One Hundred and One Dalmatians. Yep, which we already covered. Yep, I was a little bit upset that you'd already mentioned <laughs> that, but that's all right. Um, there's a fucking Borderlands movie coming out with Kate that's Blanchett right. and, and a Jack last Black in series. it. What's the title? Borderlands. Oh, <laughs> cool. <laughs> Holy shit, dude! Good stuff. Good stuff. Surely there's a there's some, some subtitle like well there or something. Like puns that they could have drawn. With other <laughs> stuff coming after it or what? They're doing another Mortal Kombat game. Shit, Zach's, movie? Uh, okay. Movie, sorry. They're doing another Mortal Kombat movie. Zack yeah. Snyder is doing a Justice League director's final cut. Yeah, now that's it's, what they talk about with the Snyder cut. cut, right? But yeah. mm. but it's like basically just remaking the whole movie. Yeah. But Zack Snyder, famously terrible at making movies. Mm. Like, who the fuck <laughs> wants Zack Snyder's look at anything? So there's, there I is, don't know, man. Have you seen 300? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's barely... I don't think I he's... Like he's barely done any good shit. Mm. Like... Um, I, I th- he, did, he did a good job with Watchmen. I think. Watchmen yeah. was great, yeah. and that was. There's been a it. weird cult thing behind that, where a lot of people think the studio ruined his creative vision, and he's gotten actors in and redone Dude. designs and stuff. Oh, like you mean that. with um with Justice Snyder League. Cut? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, a lot of post production effort went into actually changing the way the film looked, not just how it was cut, which I, is really weird. Like I, if you seen that the Steppenwolf, the main guy, his armor looks completely different. It's whack. I've never should, even seen the original. Yeah, he's like a fucking I heard someone. I have now. seen it, and I can't remember. Steppenwolf but apparently the armor looks very different that's I, all I know I heard someone talk about the fact that uh, Zack Snyder is, is like can't cut a film and can't edit a film and structure a film for shit and they, they right. referenced the fact that he did a good job at Watchmen and Sin City which are two movies that are based good. like shot for shot of comic books basically yeah, that's true. That's and it's true. like, like when he's edited. given like a shot list like do this cunt then he can't and he doesn't fuck it up. But mm. anytime he's got any amount of creative control, it seems like it's just a tire fire. Yeah. They should only let him get involved after the storyboard's already done. Yeah. <laughs> Do you mean a Snyder fire? Yeah. <clears throat> nice. And yeah, so th- th- we just need someone to tell the lighting guy what to do. Yeah. 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 Fuck. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, f- for the amount of time that has passed since we've recorded the episode, I haven't been able to find that much good news. I feel like I've been swamped down, but the Golden Globes have happened, oh, and I think yeah. it's going to be worth mentioning those. I don't remember, I think every year we go, do the Golden Globes have any like indication of what happens with the Oscars? And I feel like we don't arrive at any sort of conclusion uh, every year. What but do you think? <laughs> I, th- I mean... Snap call, yes or no? I think yes. Okay. But like, I, I think we look it up every year and can't, can't come to any sort of conclusion as to like whether because the categories are a bit weird. As they're evidence, so fucked. Yeah, they're fucked. Um, the, the weird. I don't know if you 
across it very much, man. But I am across it. Some of the weird calls that happen from the Golden Globes. Sasha Baron Cohen won Best Actor yeah. in a Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy for fucking Borat Two. The only thing I had to go off for that film was your poor impressions of it, and then I just saw it win awards, and I realized someone is wrong. I'm not really sure. It's like, everyone else <laughs> other than us. I gotta say, movies fucking suck. Borat Two also won Best Comedy slash Musical, right? Yeah. Which is so fucking insane. It's insane. That there's not a funnier movie that came out this year than fucking Borat There is. Palm Springs, which was nominated and they didn't win. Right. And Hamilton, which I imagine was performance. Like, I get Baron Cohen is, like, a very impressive improviser and it is a very impressive achievement that he managed to do this shit. I think the dramatized bits of Borat 2 were the worst bits of the whole movie. Right. And I guess... But that's what feels less impressive about it. Because, like, from what I understand, the process behind making that character work in reality is very impressive. Like, he, um, he memorized... Apparently, they workshopped like thousands of different iterations of like what people might say in the conversation. So they'd kind of, he, he, it felt like he was never getting hit with a new thing when someone was talking to him because they'd already kind of predicted that someone might say that and kind of given him a chance to work out what his answer might be, which is like pretty nuts. Okay. I don't feel like that really comes across on the screen very much. Like it feels like a shitty curb your enthusiasm. You're talking about it like that. And then it's like, yeah, but, what you were making was Borat 2. But it was... And, and I just think it wasn't... Like, none of the jokes... Like, it was like like the, the baby... Plastic baby in her stomach joke was just... Yeah. Which was pre-written cr- into the script. And, and it was crass yeah. and, like, staged. Mm. And you couldn't tell the difference between which bits were staged and which bits weren't... And were actually organic and therefore more impressive. Mm. And I just... Mm. I wasn't impressed by the movie at all. And the, I, I think that they're just fucking... S- s- sucking up to him because he was like dissing Trump in the movie and yeah, they were like I oh mean, now that he's gone yeah let, let's fucking like Hollywood liberals yeah, kiss yeah. his ass yeah, I've exactly. always considered the Golden Globes more important for TV shows for well, the representation kind of it gives for that and then I kind of zone out for the film part and just kind of think of the Academy Awards for that for yeah, better or worse yeah. for some reason they take up very different spaces in my head so mm. that's I mean, the, how I get the by. crown fucking cleaned up true uh, right. In the Golden Globe television section this year, I was watching a bit of The Crown over the break, actually, and I've been really enjoying it so far. I was, I thought that it was going to be. I'm yet to go in, but well, yeah, I've heard I had avo- I had avoided it up until very recently because my nana is cr- my, like my, my nana is crazy about uh, the royals in general and like right. reads books about them and Fuck. likes like all the royal family history stuff. She's starting to read books like, about Epstein. Really. <laughs> like, less the gossipy stuff, but she's really into the royal family and British royal history and shit. And I just thought, like, oh, it's just going to be that. It's just going to be royal family fodder for No, it's Mars. like a good show, yeah. But it's a good show, and yeah. it's kind of not completely uh, objective and apolitical, but it's it's interesting mm. enough in its depictions. Like, it's all, it's like it almost has critical depictions of characters in it, which, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> which is enough for me. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Right. And I'm learning a lot of stuff that I didn't really know about. So I've been really enjoying it so far. And the performances are outstanding. I've heard the the royals that are depicted publicly say that they're concerned because it's not... Sometimes it's dramatised and sometimes it's correct and they'll conflate the two and the public just went, "Uh, whatever. (laughs) We know you're fucking kids or whatever. Like... What what are we going to assume is <laughs> dramatized? You know, well, the, yeah, exactly. the conversations or whatever. I sort of agree with them to some degree because it presents it all like it's all fact. Hmm. And then there's some stuff where they've like combined characters into a char- an amalgamated character that never existed. And there's some stuff like where uh, Prince Philip comes down. Very, I can't remember the specific example, but, it's, but there's something like 
um, two characters wanted to get married, and Prince Philip's like, absolutely fucking not. Right. And in reality, it was like, no, he didn't have he didn't have a strong didn't opinion strong about that at right. all. And he's demonized in the show for having this strong opinion about this thing, mm. which kind of affects the way you perceive his character. Which I feel like, yeah, I don't know. There's a few things where I thought like, oh well, I wish, I wish you hadn't lied about that. Like part of the reason why I'm finding the show interesting is because it's at least mostly true. Right, right. And to not know like which bits are completely fabricated and for them to go like, oh yeah, but everyone knows. It's like, well, no, you're kind of purporting <laughs> that it's based on fact. Like you can't just... Yeah. Well, that's why I like um, I like Adam McKay's style of doing that kind of shit where like, um, for example, in The Big Short, those two young guys at the small capital firm startup that Brad Pitt helps out, at one point, they have this like serendipitous thing where they find a brochure on a table just after they've had a really shit meeting. And then they're like, oh, look, this guy's like cracking into that. He's shorting the housing market. That's crazy. And then they both sort of turn to the camera and goes, actually, this isn't how this happened. What happened was I already knew someone that knew that this was going on and he already worked at this other place. And so that's how we found out. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. And so he kind of has his cake and gets to eat it too because he's like, he's well, this is more interesting. It's a right. very specific style. You can't though. fucking do that in something like The Crown, but... Um, no, you're right that it does. It, I I like knowing when I'm when I'm being. Well, you can, but it's just a different tone that the crown isn't going for. No, that's what I'm saying. They couldn't do that yeah. and 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 shoot <laughs> and have the tone of the crown like how they do. <laughs> Prince Philip fucking <laughs> barrels the camera and goes. Actually, I couldn't give a shit if these people. Pretty good stuff. <laughs> like I didn't care, but my character does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but we just want you to know that the, that a feeling you're feeling is how you should be feeling towards Prince Philip, and yeah. really what we're depicting doesn't. It's it's completely it's irrelevant. Much of a muchness. We just yeah. want you to hate me no matter. Yeah, exactly. Um, haven't gotten much happening about the Golden Globes other than the fact that I thought it was a really weird... Weird bunch of results, yeah. And a weird ceremony where they were all like, all these famous people were getting all dressed up in their hotel Zooming rooms. In. Yeah. And yeah. then just sitting in front of Zoom. Who was it? Tina Fey and Amy... Amy Poehler, yeah. Yeah, and they had a speech calling out the fact that there are no coloured people represented in the Hollywood press. Mm. Probably, probably true. Yeah. yeah, and there was a lot of negative press about that. Um, and apparently, and the Hollywood press came out with a speech that said, "Yeah, this is a problem," and that's all they said for about thirty <laughs> seconds. And yeah. then they were like, "More rep, hey!" And then they just moved on, and people were really upset about it, as they should be. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of my favorite bits of news that's happened in the last few months happened very recently, and it's that they've released new footage for the new Space Jam sequel, ah. Space Jam Two. Yeah, and, uh, famously this, hot uh, rabbit Lola Bunny from the first one in this new one has been redesigned yep. to be less hypersexualized, yep. which is great. But horny men all over the internet are <laughs> fucking upset that this new <laughs> that the rabbit they used to jack off to his teens doesn't have massive norks anymore. I think it's also uh, like I got if you want a like a real fucking opinion on this Lola Bunny stuff. I I, I saw a few people, women online, saying like basically. I actually, like, she's been redesigned ostensibly. The logic behind it was to make her a more... Yeah, I guess to desexualize her in a way, but to make her a more, like, um, strong and powerful character without the need to rely on that kind of stuff. But I felt like people were sort of saying... um, Actually, she did feel like a strong character. Like, she was also the most talented basketball player, and the fact that she was also comfortable with her own sexuality was not... Shouldn't really be retconned as, like, a downside to history. Yeah. You know? So it's like... I just feel like I don't I ne- know. I never saw a- the first movie either. 
Space Jam. Oh, I yeah. saw it recently. Oh, it was really great. It was yeah, like I watched it again episode recently. Episode 11 of <laughs> yeah. um, The Last Dance is how I watched it. So I watched it right at the end of The Last Dance. <laughs> right, fuck. And, um, yeah, yeah, it was great. It felt like the end to that um, series. Yeah, it was excellent, yeah. excellent rewatching. I haven't that. gotten in on Last Dance. Bill Murray acts so weird in that film. He does. It's, it's very great. strange. Bill yeah. Murray so in Space Jam? He's in it. Yeah. Yeah, man. He keeps asking Michael Jordan, do you think I have a chance in the NBA? And he... Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. It's a good bit. The way he does it, it's <laughs> yeah. just... He, like, keeps... Being moving the topic yeah. of conversation back <laughs> to him getting a chance, and he's in nervous the about it. Like yeah, he'll change really the topic, timid. and then he'll change it back. Like, well, but what do you think about this chance? Like, maybe I could. I got a chance, right, Michael? And Michael just fucking ignores him. It's yeah, great. it's really, it's really funny. Funny. It's it's a good Bill movie. Murray. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Bill Murray is one of those actors that's just made a name off his own name, and now he's yeah. just an eponymous character that can be in anything. Right? It's yeah, hilarious. Right. Well, and Wes Anderson's the only person really still using him. I guess there was also that movie where he's a crabby old man. I don't know. He's in, he's in, he's in Zombieland. As Bill Murray, mm-hmm. that's mm. true. Yeah, <laughs> um, I can't remember what the um, what the film is. Where he's a uh, an old guy, bad grandpa, maybe. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I wrote that's down <laughs> that, that's um, that's Johnny Knoxville. Yeah. I wrote down some new stuff and also couldn't find a whole lot. I had Snyder cut of JL out. Don Cheadle is in Space Jam Two, which I didn't realize until now. There you go. And you wrote it down, mate. I wrote it down, and then Fucking I wrote Men in Black yourself. And then I wrote, "Fuck, it's all Disney or DC stuff," which I generally like. But a lot of the articles about DC or Disney are generally pretty uninteresting. Like Baby Yoda and Ray have same power, and it's just really boring stuff. It's or been some, a bad crop of news or like, recently. Yeah, some actor says something from years ago, recalls it in an interview. Like it's it's right. really innocuous. This is. I feel like this is where now maybe seeing. Are you if you go back to a couple of episodes last year you'll hear me talking about how i feel like people were like uh covid no movies are getting made or whatever and um what i felt like was that we were gonna keep seeing new movies come out for a little while because all of the ones that had finished production you could finish in post-production but now we're seeing no movies in america being produced because of covid so like, this is when the drought's hitting, right? Mm. There's no fucking news because there's no fucking movies being made because <laughs> there's nothing entering post-production. But I yeah. guess what... Because, like, I've been going to the cinema a lot. Mm. Like, at least... Seen um, a lot of Australian and Korean times, films. Yeah, correct. Um, at least three times a fortnight, but usually more than that. And there are still new films coming out. It's just films that either got shot, like The Dry, for example, got shot in 2019. Yeah, exactly. And it got just pushed back and pushed back. So there's, it's because there's less big, crazy pictures because they know they're going to make more money in streaming. There's more films I wouldn't otherwise see that have lower levels of production behind mm. them that are still getting screen time at cinemas and are playing for longer than they usually would. Like The Dry's been playing since the start, months. Of, start of January. Yeah. Really? Awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. been yeah. playing for Because what the fuck ages. else are they going to replace else. it with? What well, are they yeah. bumping out? I've still got to go back because there are so many big movies that look great mm. that were on all the top awards list that are still... Like Nomadland? Yeah. I know. I, I really got to go back. That's that. not out, that hasn't been out here yet. That's so yeah, on at Dendi. Oh, is it? On at um, Palace. I oh. didn't realize that. It was just the first one that plucked the top of my because it was on the top yeah, of the yeah, yeah, That does look good. I really do want to watch that as well. Um, but, but there's so many great movies that yeah you're right they feel like smaller little dramas and things yeah. that have rocketed to the or top or they're just of not part of giant season. franchises right yeah like, yeah they're a bit more bit more niche bit more interesting so it's good to know there's still you know a healthy amount of stuff out there yeah. it's just not not you know bloated by the intense sort of Disney franchise etc that usually sort of takes over that kind of sphere yeah it's kind of my my wish, right? It's like, mm. get this shit out of my cinema so I can yeah. actually watch other Cinemas things. at half capacity, you book a couple seats apart, got a whole row to yourself, Pretty baby. nice. <laughs> <laughs> I am... I don't really have much other news, but I thought about we've had enough time off if you all can think of some stuff that you've watched 
in the last few months that's worth talking about um, as part of a beefness or pleasure segment that we can sneak in. Business. Pleasure. 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 Business. Business pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. 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 On, on that movie You said Don't. anal But you said it <laughs> A different way um, But then There's, that, al- there's also Always referring to the word Anal They said anal yeah. <laughs> On the, the tremendous amount Of off time That we've been having We, we watch the movies For our own pleasure And then realise I'm like Oh I could talk about that With my boys On the podcast And so that's what This segment's for Is we're talking about Other shit that we've been Watching by ourselves For the last For the last few months That's right Um I could go first if you'll if you'll can't think of anything. Zach well, has whipped out three typed pieces of paper. That's right. <laughs> so he's got. I heaps. have. I have. Um, I, you uh, you have consistently prepared more for any episode that you've we been have on ever. than we have it's in probably of, the rest of the entire of run of episodes. I mean, I had to come all the way up to this space station and get this band back on the. <laughs> well, that is true. <laughs> I guess it's worth the three no, pages were, of uh, we, aeronautical <laughs> weight. Fallen in the, into the <laughs> yeah. cryo chamber. <laughs> Fry, fry from Futurama style. Oscar's dick stuck in the suck toilet <laughs> that they've got up there. Get a lift with Perseverance up here. It was yeah, ridiculous. Damn. Yeah, you got to wait for the three month, <laughs> like three boys, year orbit or whatever. Yeah. Boys, wake up! <laughs> <laughs> they need, to, they need to know what you sat on your couch and watched. Yeah. Um, now I watched um, <laughs> I watched Soul last week. Oh, oh yeah. The that's new good. Pixar Just movie. Just talking about staring at the sun. <laughs> yeah. uh, the new, the new Pixar movie. is called yeah, Soul. Nice. That's yep, the name yep. for the actual sort of star. Yep. I thought you were talking about yeah. the so it's capital when city. When says he watched Soul. He went to South Korea. About, no, I get no, it. No, no. I'm talking about a different like thing. Oh. I'm talking about he, that he was staring at the sun, which is funny because oh. it makes him seem a lot stupider than if he went to the Korean city of Seoul. Oh. I'm going to cut all of this out. I watched Soul last week and now I'm blind. That's my joke. Um, Fuck. No, this this Pixar movie, um, if you haven't seen it, it went straight to Disney Plus because mm. I don't think it made it to the that cinemas. That is why I haven't watched it, yeah. Right. I'm, I'm piggybacking with my brother's Disney Plus. Yeah. Nice. Um, you couldn't. So it's yeah. Jamie Foxx voices a music teacher in New York City at some high school and he's just like the fucking music teacher slash concert band conductor and he kind of feels like he's stuck in this rut when really he's got this dream of being a famous jazz musician. Right. And on the day that... One Why isn't the movie called Jazz? <laughs> and on the, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> and on the day where um, one of his ex-students... You might want to call Bob, Bob Iger uh, with that man. Yeah. Give him some like notes. Mr. Fucking... I don't remember his name. Mr. Grayson or whatever. Like, Mr. Um, jazz. We, Mr. Jazz. Mr. Jazz. Uh, we're a musician down for the gig at the fucking jazz cellar tonight and fucking Ella Fitzgerald we're, we're playing with. Right. Come down and play with us. And he's like, oh my God, this is my big break. He fucking like dies on the way in oh. some random freak accident. Major nice. spoilers. Um, and so the movie is very, very reminiscent of Inside <laughs> that's, Out. That's the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it dies and that's it. It's one of those shorts. <laughs> 
That's you so just good. skipped over an hour and a half of yeah. Disney movie. I feel like the pacing of this movie is a little <laughs> off. We're like 90 minutes in and he hasn't like really, none of the surreal stuff's happened yet. <laughs> Imagine that it hasn't Disney really felt movie, like a though. Disney movie and then just... Yeah. Credits. <laughs> 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 watching his brother in a hospital bed for the last three hours. Um, no, he dies at the beginning of the movie and then it does that like inside out thing where you see yeah. inside their heads but you see his soul go up to a cute little Pixar version of heaven. Um, mm. And it's basically like... Him trying to get back into his body so mm. that he can do mm. this gig. He needs to undie. He needs to undie, if yeah. you will. Um, and I loved it. I yeah. thought it was really great. Okay. I watched a little I've... video essay online that was oh. talking about the uh, use of lighting in mm. the film, right. which is an excellent example of something I, I wouldn't have noticed unless it was pointed out to me. That it looks fucking amazing. Yeah. yeah. I... What, what, People are have you, have about you seen like, it, Zach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I also oh, saw have. this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, great. I, I, um, yeah, I watched it at the end of, start of this year, you know, like around that period, yeah. end of December, January. And um, yeah, it's great. And it I also, it, so it has really incredible animation. Richard Ayoade voices one of the characters in it. It's oh, really cool. recognizable, really From cool. From uh, IT Grab. Correct. Graham, um, Graham Norton voices one yeah, of the characters. True. I heard Daniel Sloss talk on a podcast about how um, Graham Norton... Because you, you just like do, you record a whole bunch of lines and then you fuck off and they release it on like I'll four see years which later. One works, yeah. and, he, uh, and often your shit gets cut. So he said he didn't really know like how much, how much of a role yeah. he was going to end up <laughs> right, having. That's so and he's like a huge, he's like, a, he's like one of the main characters in the movie. And Damn. apparently Graham Norton he rocked like, up with the premiere and was sure. like, I'm in this loads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. Tina Fey yeah. is also um, one of the main characters in this film as well. Cool. Yeah. She plays 21 or whatever her name she is. She plays so. like, uh, you'll have to, yeah. The way that the Pixar Heaven works is that souls have to be like trained in like their different skills of personality before they're sent to inhabit a body mm. on earth. Right. And Tina Fey plays like a dirtbag soul that just can't be fucked to get through the training. And yeah, oh, when it, cool. whenever people die, they have a chance to go and teach people and she's been taught by like Einstein, by like Churchill, like all these <laughs> right. famous people and right. they just can't they seem to get her ready through. to go back to earth. Yeah. Well, she, she's broken them every exactly. time. Right. Yeah. Gandhi, like yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of good gags but he'll be like, yeah. you just have to learn to love yourself. And you're like, oh, that's what Gandhi said. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Shit and like I mean, that. The reason that's such a cool part of the film though is because it's about the end of a soul becoming a person. They have to find a spark and it's ambiguous as to whether that spark is the meaning for life or whether it's just your you, the reason for existence and the whole point is that Jamie Foxx's character is obsessed with the spark being his meaning for life and then you as the audience get to see his journey of finding out what that is whether it's important whether your life has to have a specific you know definable meaning and that's the only thing that matters or whether yeah. life is more complicated than yeah that. Right. and a bit more open to experience over like having a driving specific force and nothing else whereas like the film's lesson sort of at its core becomes more about just making sure you enjoy yourself as well which sure. is it's really heavy like again like dying very the meaning of life yeah. yeah pixar just keeps on cracking out more and more intense stuff Right, which yeah. is about yeah. like crossing the bridge. Exactly. That, um, yeah. yeah. More, more and more Pixar films are just less for children and more for adults. It's really interesting. Yeah, it's it's the idea that like when you're when you die, you're you can keep existing in the afterlife as long as anyone from Earth still remembers you. Yeah. And then as soon as yeah, the last right. person on Earth that remembers you dies or forgets you you disappear in the afterlife and so it's heavy that's why they have like shrines to all their ancestors yeah. with photos and stuff is so that you never Ugh, forget it's crazy. anyone and so there's this like desperate attempt mm. for someone who's died to not be forgotten by yeah. people back on earth 
But it's it's, it's similar. They're like dealing with the afterlife mm. a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing, the animation though, they go back to black and white a bit, which I haven't mm. seen since that elephant sketch Do they did back they? in the 30s. Yeah, yeah. There's black and white. Remember when he's going through the escalator that's going Maybe to... Maybe a phone ticked on a like bedtime mode and just grayed out the screen. Nah, it was sick, man. I'm not <laughs> even going to enjoy your gag because <laughs> it's like the, the way that they indulge black and white in this film is really cool because it's got really intense, that. really good animation. It's when he first gets dropped into the purgatory hell uh, heaven thing and he's going towards the light. Right, and it's a black and stark. Oscar's colorblind. Oh, <laughs> you got to see it all in black and white, baby. Yeah. How about yeah. that? <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road yeah. Chrome Edition. So it's the only everyone edition you've ever seen. Story. I didn't have to wait for the Chrome Edition, yeah. baby. Every, everyone has to just ignore how much Oscar doesn't trust me right now. It has black and white in it, and it's really okay, cool no, sure. that they go back to that kind of colorless animation. Mm. Something I really liked was the use of music in the movie, I and mean, yeah. obviously the music. The movie is about like a jazz teacher, and it's it, the whole point of the movie mm. is that he thinks his whole point in life is to enjoy music right so there's a lot of that in there but i thought that uh the way it transitioned between the jazz music when you're sort of in his head and a lot of like electronic mm. type influence in like a film score way uh when he transitions into the afterlife and he doesn't get that jazz anymore i thought was really interesting uh and really compelling and i noticed it in a way that i really liked um, I yeah, it, was, it was cool i don't think it was my for it. favorite pixar movie but it was definitely a favorite? really great one hey what is your favorite I really liked Toy Story three and four. Mm. They were great. Um, I like Up. I like Wally. Yeah, you should see Coco. I reckon you'd really. Yeah, like yeah, Coco is great. Yeah. And actually, if you look at it as an excuse to stare at the lighting and the way the lighting is done in these movies, it's pretty fucking incredible. Well, the lighting in this one was amazing, man. Yeah, like, yeah. There's, there's always it's like definitely things. going for something very different, but yeah. yeah. Well, in 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 uh, Soul, there's a lot of because I think in video games, people are talking a lot about ray tracing now as the new technology where it basically lets video it's games have realistic light properly, lighting. Yeah. I knew this it. Trent Reznor did the soundtrack <laughs> for um Soul. Really? Yep. Oh, there you go. That's cool. Mm. Um, well, it's great, um, and in the same way, you can see a lot of like like reflected and refracted light through windows and things, and it, it's amazing. It, it looks great. Like they're getting so mm. close to like shit just looking real mm. in a way that I'm uh, re- really dig watching the development mm. of it. But it also means you go back and watch like Toy Story One, and it looks like complete dog shit. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, they keep doing <laughs> interesting keep things. About life. Yeah. They keep doing interesting things with it, like the beings that run the heaven or you call it. They're one dimensional beings. Right, they're like lines or yeah. dots or whatever. Well, they're yeah. single lines that then make a shape, but the whole point is that they're only one-dimensional right. and there's a bit, bit of a bit on that. It's just really cool. They keep doing new and creative things even in that I, realm. I think so. it's worth watching. I think every time mm. a new Pixar movie comes out, I think like, oh, it is just a kid's movie though. I'll go in no, on No, they're always point. really good. And then they're yeah. always good. Yeah, yeah. I think that's Definitely. how I miss Coco. Except for Cars just, I, I never felt the motivation to go... Yeah, exactly. I never felt the motivation <laughs> to go and yeah. watch it. But yeah. no, this, one, this one was great and I'm glad I did. I don't... I mean, I don't know. Whatever the fuck you want to do, if you want to go and get a Disney Plus subscription or not, but I really, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. What about you, Zach? Have you got, have you got one or two so, little highlights yeah, that yeah, you can talk yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I pulled out every film I've watched since the last time I've been on the app, which yeah, is what I can I've see got. that. So I was very nervously <laughs> like, have you got one or two? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I just have some notes because um, I have notes from when I uh, sometimes talk on the radio. Yeah, do you want to plug your, plug your thing? So Zach talks yeah, on AM radio. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. I mean, yeah, we've got ABC. Fortnightly. ABC's <laughs> Zach. Yeah, so 2CC, quite, the knockoff of ABC from oh, sorry. right-wing <laughs> conservatives. Um, yeah, no, I've started fortnightly only six-minute segments on the radio where I just talk about new films coming out, which is why I watch Soul, so I could talk about it on that. So yeah, right. That's why I was You're so You're not better than us. About, oh, I know. I'm certainly <laughs> certainly not, but um, that's why I'm not going to mention you guys so that I make sure I keep, keep, <laughs> yeah, keep that's the right. waves to myself. <laughs> yep. 
Um, and the no. best part of AM radio is you can tune into that shit conservative station and they won't know. You're not giving them advertising. Really. Yeah, I like correct. That. So I can <laughs> exactly. listen to you from the original source guilt-free, yeah. knowing that it's not yeah. really helping. I tell like, yeah. all my friends to tune in and then immediately tune out. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Whereas no- we know that almost no one listens to this. Yeah. yeah. People <laughs> only tune out of ours. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, if people want to hear uh, Zach number two, friend of the podcast, um, not to be confused with Zach number one, who does rock climbing. Um, then you could listen yeah, to Yeah, but me. he's never been on the podcast. He doesn't exist. Yeah. With a, but you've referred to him. You're number one you've friend of the podcast. Oh, I've been promoted. He's yeah. going to be so upset. I mean, you'll be the number one Zach that's a friend of the podcast. Oh, there and we when we're talking what? about friends of the pod, and I mean that that means previous guest. Yeah. Does Zach it? is one by default. Yeah. Well, this one. Oh, damn. Zach one is one by default. This feels great. Suck, suck <laughs> Zach in Zach. You're still Zach two. Yeah. Oh. Zach, <laughs> Zach one by Zach default one is Zach two. Fucking yeah. Zach, Zach two is the number one Zach, but I'm sorry, man. You're, you <laughs> one you Zach two. As long as you don't call me Andrew, it's all good, buddy. Mm, well, don't count your blessings. But anyway, so, so yeah, 11.25 on 12.06 a.m. 2cc. Mm. That's when I talk. Only for six minutes, but it's been great. Fox, and they, you really want to tune in at like 11.25? <laughs> yeah, roughly. You know, it's radio, so... Does that mean you make the news a minute late? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I stay on a little bit longer and they hurry me up. Um, yeah, right. But no, it's great. Um, What's that like? Uh, <laughs> actually, you kept right... Last time I was listening, you kept right to time, but the there were two people before you that really fucking wouldn't get, yeah. wouldn't get off. I did so. notice that. Yeah, yeah. Really Rod, Rod really kept the time pretty, did. Did pretty good, good with me. did a good job. Um, yeah, anyway, so the film... I wanted to talk about because I have watched a bunch of films for that specifically. Though I watch them anyway. Uh, it's oh, just one you haven't talked about with Rod. Well, um, I talked with Chris about this one, but you didn't ex- <laughs> <laughs> uh, get fucked. <laughs> so, long story short, is the film I wanted to talk about. Mm. I'm hoping to get people listening um, to watch it because it's great. It's another Australian film. I actually have a bit of an angle whenever I talk on the radio. I have so far been able to talk about an Australian film that's currently at cinemas, and I'm hoping to keep that going to try and get some, you know, people in to see Australian films because I think that they're really pumping out really good Australian films at the moment. And mm. long story yeah, short, right. is a 2021 Australian romantic comedy film. Written and directed by Josh Lawson, who is a face you'll recognise, but a name I've, you might not recognise. I've yeah. heard of him. He yeah. was in something. Yeah, he's in House of Lies, I think. I keep forgetting, but I know that he looks familiar. Um, and it uh, came out in February. It's still out. So I really strongly recommend What's it called? Long Story Short. And it's so a romantic wrote, comedy film. Directed and stars in this. Well, show. he's a supporting character, but yeah, he's he's so. in it. He's in it. He's not the starring character. Ruff Spall is the starring character. Mm. The the film it, it's really good. I don't like calling it a romantic comedy because that makes it sound like Love Actually or another bad rom com. Yeah, that's right. Um, and it's just not that uh, because it's specifically about a serial procrastinator, Teddy, played by Ruff Spall, who I already mentioned, who wakes up the day after marrying his wife, and then he finds that every few minutes he skips forward a year in his life. And from his perspective, he's the same guy who's just who's just been asleep for a couple minutes, and then he's woken up. It's a year later, but for everyone else, it's been a year. And he's been a workaholic. He's put off having their honeymoon. He's put off doing this and that. And it just sort of puts into perspective decisions being made because then he goes forward another year and another year, and then he's you know like the relationship has gotten degraded and so he's other sort of stuff. Immediately that I confronted with the implications of his own correct, decisions. and it means yeah. you get to. That's he, cool he gets to see his entire life decisions put on stark display in contrast with each other. 
And then so that it sounds like a much more elegant version of Click. Oh, it, it say, pretty yeah. much is. Yeah. It's sounds like Josh. It sounds like Josh Lawson's having a hard time <laughs> coming to terms with his own age. Yeah, <laughs> but what I will say about this that's different from Click is it has one of the funniest scripts I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that, Adam? Oh, <laughs> uh, he, he's in Uncut Gems. He knows what's. It's, yeah, it's that's all good. right. It's all good. He probably didn't want to be in Click. I thought Click was funny when I first saw it. It's because you were fourteen when you first saw it. So anyway, <laughs> the script for Long Story Short it's really funny. It's mm. got Ronnie Cheng in it as a supporting character. Oh, I love Ronnie. He's Cheng. very good in this. And like, um, again, the mechanic that plays at the center of the film, unlike Click, where it's this weird gimmick that's never really explained or given any meaning to, this one is just enough. No, it's the remote control. No, I get. <laughs> Are you muting yourself? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, that's how it works. Right. With the remote control. Like if you hit fast forward, his life goes faster. But the point is, yeah. Okay. And if you hit rewind. You've, you've just I didn't realise. Yeah. I didn't. You got I'm separate sorry. audio channels. We can we can cut him out. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so anyway, the point is that it's just enough magic, and just enough really nice comedic writing that it, the deep and meaningful aspect of it is really impactful. And I mm. think the reason I really liked it, and the reason my partner really liked it, and my partner's mum really liked it, and we all watched it and probably took away the same meaning. You were third you wheeling your wanna, partner and it was, mum. It was mm. tough. And the <laughs> the main sort of making sure you're always taking life's sort of um, what life's giving you and sort of making sure you're making decisions that you want to make. He really it, it really rip off, it, rip off click. <laughs> it really, how click ends. It really put, uh, but the way it does it in this, I don't know, it's really enjoyable. And the way the film is made is really good. Like the acting mm. is amazing. Raf Spall, his actual performance of the main character was really funny. Um, and he takes an already funny script and just makes it really enjoyable. And um, just the deep and meaningful aspect of the film, I think people will oh, take away a big meaning Spall. from it as well. Yeah, cool. No, I love I love Ray Spall. Mm. I, I didn't actually mm. know that this person oh, was that called guy. him. Oh, that guy! Yeah. Wait, is he, yeah. what the hell's he been in? He's one of the Andes from, he's one of the Andes from yeah. Hot Fuzz. That's where is I first met in, in I don't know, I've never seen well. Sherlock. No, that's, that is um, a bad television that's show. That's the hot priest from Fleabag. Oh, right, okay. No, and he was also in um, The Ritual, that horror movie that was oh, on I Netflix a little while back that was very mm. popular. Was he Australian? Oh, and uh, Bird Box. He's in Bird Box. Oh, too, I think. is he the... I think. Wait, who is he in Bird Box? Maybe he's not. You think he's he's John the Malkovich Bird Box. <laughs> I think he's John Malkovich. Um, yeah, I'm thinking of John Malkovich. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not going to... Oh, he's in John the Mal- big short. <laughs> he's the guy with the big epididymis on his ball. So that sounds really good. I should. Uh, I, I'm keen on that one. I'm really keen to get people to cinemas. It's a high quality film. It's a that deep and cool. meaningful rom com, and it's one of the funniest films I've seen. So and I it will. is based in Australia or not? Yes, it's oh, in okay, Sydney. Okay, it's set in Sydney, very clearly in Sydney. You'll see shots where you recognise where it's being shot. It's right. really cool. It's right. really nice to see that, <laughs> which we'll talk about later. But that seeing map. Australia in film and hearing it in film, mm. I love that. Because if I can have a shot of Sydney that doesn't make it clear it's Sydney without showing me the fucking opera, opera house and the parliament. <laughs> And the Harbour Bridge. Oh, there's establishing happy. stuff at the start. Yeah, you great. know what's crazy though? Like what re-watching, rewatching the Matrix, and yeah. when you look at it without the or like even with the color grade on, you're like, oh, that's fucking Grand Central St- or like Central Station. Really? It's very clearly Central Station. I just hadn't been there when yeah. I saw the Matrix. I, I'm gonna you know go. I mean? I, I'm it's very re- clearly the Central in the, Station. In the cinema recently, we didn't even talk that's about. That's right. It. Yeah, I just remember being like looking at it, and be like, oh yeah, there, there's those weird brick pillars that are fucking very yeah. distinctive, and there's like that underpass that's mm. nearby. <laughs> Yeah. And they're just walking around like they've got this crazy green color grade over everything. But yeah, it's it's definitely like oh, it's like yeah. Sydney, Sydney, not even like Opera House, Sydney. Well, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, uh, long it's story cool. short, has a couple scenes in like a graveyard that I'm sure I've been to. It's along this walk that goes yeah. from Bondi. Yeah, when I died, I got buried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I've been in. 
Um, but yeah, it's just cool seeing that stuff. I yeah, agree. that's very cool. It's really sick. All right, any others worth mentioning? Uh, so Synchronic was a film that I saw recently oh, yeah. as well. What's it called? Also Synchronic. Okay. S-Y-N. And that's all I'm going to say. It's the start of the word synchronicity, (laughs) but then you stop halfway through. Yeah, and that's a film with Anthony Mackie, who plays Falcon from the Marvel stuff, and he's also in other things that I can't remember right now. And Jamie Dornan, who is in Fifty Shades of Grey. That's all I know about that. Um, And it is also a bit of a more sort of interesting film. It's from a couple directors who are known for doing horror thriller stuff. This is sci-fi. And it's specifically about two paramedics who are going around and they keep finding people that have had incidents with this drug called Synchronic. And without giving too much away, it turns out the drug interacts with the brain in such a way that you perceive and experience time differently. And then the way the film plays with that visually and with sound is actually really cool. It's it's a really... Well, it's currently at cinemas, but right. it came. It got made in 2019. It, again, like a like like um, the dry. It kind of got made a little while ago. Went around short film festivals, and now, oh, sorry, yeah. in international film festivals, and now it's starting to show in cinemas. Oh, cool! And it was it, it, just a really interesting film. The way it does sound and visual was just really cool to see. And I mean, like, yeah, it was just a real concept piece where it had it had the one thing it wanted to do, and then it just really ran with it, and it was really cool to see. And the acting from those two guys was also it, really good. The way that you were talking yeah, right. about it reminded me of the drug from Dread, um, but it doesn't sound oh, like right. only because it's a drug that affects people's no, perceptions no, 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 of time. No, no, no. But it's it sounds more, like it's quite different. It's far more sci-fi. Right. I don't want to give it away because the idea is they figure like and, they yeah, solve they figure happening. it out, right. and and the way they do it is. Very much showing and not tell, um, not telling, which is why it's really cool in cool. a visual sense. Yeah. I'm keen on this one too. Did yeah. you? Where did you see it in cinemas? I had to go out to Hoyt's Woden because okay, wow. um, that fucking sticks. But that was because <laughs> I wanted to go. Exactly the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's because I wanted to watch, see it after midday. So there are currently places still showing it. I think around midday. But yeah, that was just the last film I saw before this one, which is why I suddenly blurted it out. All right. Didn't oh, have sweet. my didn't have my radio notes for that one, boys. But yeah, no, you did that was really the film well. I saw. Yeah, it was Sounds cool. it was it was good. I mm. really liked it. Mm. How about you, brother? Oh well, <clears throat> instead of watching movies, I was fucking making a short one. Woo-hoo! So, yeah, I haven't. I reckon this was the first, the, the dry, which we watched immediately before recording. This is the first movie I think I've seen in about a fucking month. Uh, <laughs> but I did find time to rewatch Blade Runner twenty forty nine again. So. <laughs> Great, yeah. <laughs> Could cool. talk about that if you want, but um, no, yeah, I was, uh, I, I made a short film, which I guess I'll talk about briefly because it's probably kind of interesting. Yeah, Zach helped out on it. I did. Zach number one helped out on that's the film. right. The Zach that you can hear helped out on it. That's um, me. So, uh, yeah, there's a film festival in Canberra called Lights Canberra Action. Happens every year, and basically you get ten days to make a short film. It's limited to seven minutes. Um, you're supplied with items and locations that you need to kind of include, but if you're clever about it, you can pre-write a script and then just find ways to slot that stuff in, which uh, I did. I co-wrote and co-directed it with uh, another Canberra filmmaker called Laura Cotterill. Um, and yeah, we, we, we entered it um, into this competition and made it into the top 12 films, I think out of 37. So that was really nice. We're super proud of it. Uh, unfortunately, it's not up online anywhere just yet we'll probably flick this version of it up on vimeo or something so we can I mean, share it around with people but by the time my heine gets into gear and edits this it may well be online so, so probably yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but if it is you know we'll we'll, we'll stick something oh, in the show notes or whatever i think i speak for, um, for everyone here at beef station we say we're all proud of you boy mm, yeah so it was a really great experience we had so many um 
so many people volunteer their time to help us out, uh, which was extremely humbling. I think we ended up having like 30 fucking people involved in making this short film or thereabouts. Um, everyone did such an amazing job. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I could talk more about like the sort of the production process and stuff, but it almost feels like we should, I should save it because I don't think it's, I think that's nearly another episode in of itself and is also <laughs> a very different kind of topic. So, oh, fuck um, yeah, we'll do a whole episode reviewing the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, please not. Um, that would actually but, be great. Oh, not for <laughs> me, boys. <laughs> but yeah. Um, it, it's uh, it was a really interesting process. Uh, I guess I'm happy to chat about it. So if people are interested in hearing what it was like to to direct and write and star in a short film, um, let me know and I'll I'll grab a coffee and talk to you about it. But yeah, that's fine. And I'll put it in the we'll put it in the show notes at some point when it comes up, or maybe we'll post it in the group or whatever when we'll it's have online. To. And if you have to promise that you'll spend less time fucking making movies and more yeah, time watching right. movies from now on. I um yeah. No, <laughs> no, no promises, <laughs> but yeah, uh, but it'll be a little while since I fucking make anything else. So I guess this will be the, I'll be back to, uh, back to being a critic again. That's it. Less time out there on the grass and more time <laughs> in here on your ass. <laughs> Very nice. Did you get that one on site, mate? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So that's my, that's my beefness or pleasure. Yeah. Oh, All right. But the feature. The creative process. That's right. Beautiful. Isn't it, uh, isn't it fucking painful? Yeah. I will say this, you know how like you would you would know this. You probably would know this by now. Brutal. I'm pointed to Oscar and then to Zach. Yep. Um, like hearing yourself on a podcast or on radio is fucking nightmarish. Yeah. What's it like looking at yourself on a monitor, dude? Right? Like a fucking <laughs> thousand times worse. I I really had like a fucking bad time the day after when I was first watching. I hate the edits. It was so fucking bad. You like was watch yourself blink and move your mouth. You're like, oh, you idiot! Why Just you the way that like my that? skull looks, dude. <laughs> Not from the front, which is very difficult to look at if I'm me. <laughs> like, extremely tough to bear. And, um, How do you think we feel, mate? It's just a, well, <laughs> that's the thing because you you listen to your own voice while you're editing a podcast, and you're like, God, I can't believe that I force other people to listen to this shit <laughs> every time I open my fucking big mouth. Mm. And when it's you looking at yourself, you're like, other people have to look at that, and that's very <laughs> fucking weird to me. And I didn't like it one bit. Got oh, slightly yeah. better when I wasn't on like two hours of sleep, but it was a. I, I will, yeah, interesting. I had a terrible fucking reaction to seeing myself on yeah, screen. Nothing to worry about, but I'll take this as a really, really bad. apology. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sorry for the way I look to everyone that's ever had to look at me. Anyway, so yeah, that was that. That was maybe the worst thing about it, to be honest. But you put uh, that as like yeah. the first slate of the credits, right? Yep, that's yeah, right. That's Great. right. Yep. I understand. I felt the same way when I watched you on screen. As yeah, well. hey, right. got him. <laughs> Fuck yeah! Yep. 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 Get on in there. Knew I wouldn't have to set you up for you <laughs> Yeah, you knocked him down. Uh, okay, let's talk about this fucking movie, hey. I'll set him up and then I'll knock him down. <laughs> <laughs> I'll set him up, I'll knock him down, you can watch me this time, okay? And then next time you can have a go at knocking you're him down after fucking, I set him up. You're on the fucking bench, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm setting him up and then mine are knocked down, okay? Because I set him up. That's how this works. That's the rule. When you learn to set yours up, you can knock yours down. <laughs> Well, yeah, I wasn't expecting that much of a response, but it's pretty good. All right, let's oh, talk set about me up. this well done. fucking movie, which I've tried to segue onto three times now. Is this what three. it's normally like for yeah. you? <laughs> when I'm like, yeah, yeah. actually, I just have one more thing to talk about for this. You're like, fuck. 
So the dry uh, Wikipedia says it's 2020. So I believe it. 2020. Uh, it was directed by Robert Connolly, mm-hmm. written by Robert Connolly, and a dude named Harry Cripps, which I think is a funny name. What do you reckon? Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Funny I like that they both have the double letter. Funny it's name. Very good. Uh, it is apparently based on a book. Apparently, by <laughs> it's allegedly you, based allegedly based on a book. <laughs> you were posing that. Look, Stephen King fucking. Sues I hope for that a you introduced the Passion of the it. Christ in the same way. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, people are going to get. Pissed. No, Passion <laughs> of the Christ is more of a grey area, like how the fucking Joker was a uh, the yeah, Joker movie was like driver. a dad. Yeah. Based on the ca- based on characters created by Paul, <laughs> <laughs> like and Matthew like, Yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm. The people from the Bible. Yeah, the dry. Mm. It's mm. like a mystery dra- a mystery drama crime kind of film mm-hmm. set in the outback in Victoria. Mm. It stars Eric Banner uh, as a middle aged cop who grew up in this town. Yeah, and that's where he spent his teenage. I'll years. give the um, I'll give the slug line. How about that? I think that? I'm nailing it. Aaron Fork returns to his drought-stricken hometown to attend a tragic funeral, but his return opens a decades-old wound: the unsolved death of a teenage girl. Right. So there you go. So there's kind of those two parallel storylines. Yeah. Of him coming home for mm. a friend's funeral, but then also this unsolved death from yeah. when he was young and when he still knew this guy that died. How are you, Gretchen? It's all over town that you're reopening the investigation. Luke drove to his house at 4.30, killed his family, and headed here to kill himself. You're convinced he did it. What do you think? I'm an old mate of Luke's, actually. You lied back then, Aaron. Luke lied as well. The day that poor girl drowned. Ellie. So you've heard some stories about me. I've heard some. You can have personal history with the girl who died in a river 20 years ago. There's a connection between the deaths. It's pigs. This has got nothing to do with me. Grant. Don't say my name like you know me. You don't know me. Jamie Sullivan. He's lying. He wasn't with his nan. You think you're going to get the truth in a town like this? When you've been lying about something for this so long, it becomes second nature. Where were you that afternoon? Why would I lie? Because Luke asked you to. So how about we try and give a bit of a spoiler-free review Sounds with good. some impressions about the cinematography and all that sort of shit so that if people want to see it, they can. Oh, we'll... the cinematography of the drive <laughs> That's my impression of the cinematography. Yeah, no, I got it. How, uh, that, and how then, about that um, bit where Aaron Hulk goes green? <laughs> it's gonna, uh, yeah, I was wondering who the first person to make a Hulk joke is going to be. I was thinking about it all night in the film. I was waiting for a good way to do it. And I was like, do I introduce it? Yeah, plays the Hulk. Hulk. Correct. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) What? (laughs) Um, The Hulk? Not in this movie. The what? In a different movie called The Hulk. Um, Edward Norton was in this this fucking movie? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So uh, we'll give you a warning before we spoil it. Fucking got ya. Oh, shit. Yeah, is we'll give Brad a Pitt in the end? What this the is, fuck? This is a tough listen. <laughs> and I'm in the room. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> um, this is a very great, very serious fucking movie. Um, <laughs> I really liked it. Um, so it's, yeah, as, as Andrew said, uh, this cop comes back to his, like, the place where he grew up as a kid. 
uh, and you find out quite quickly that he was in some way connected to and in some way was friends with uh, someone that died <laughs> in mysterious circumstances in the town 20 years ago. Uh, a a young woman. Everyone in the town kind of either holds him responsible or in some way thinks that he is partly to blame for the death of this young woman. Mm. The only real bit of evidence that was ever kind of found I don't think in, nah. in some way... It, 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 there's, there's no... Yeah, they talk about it. Yeah. They talk about it like 20 minutes in. There's something... It's not zero evidence, but it's clearly very... Still extremely muddy I mean, and it never really got any... the point is that the town has decided what happened. As yeah, well. that's a good way to put it. It's a yeah. good, it's a it's a great focus, I think, on like a, the small town community mm. vibe. I think mm. it's very drought stricken town, which like you really get the vibe. And obviously, it's in the title, but yeah. obviously, you get the sense that it's a it's oh. a harsh place. There's no. Uh, hmm? Are you going to say something? No, we funny? got it. No, no I got it. I feel no. like I got my point across. Okay, <laughs> sweet. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a really dry, small town, and it really <laughs> captures that. Oh, are you thinking of something funny? No. I was going to say the sense of humor of the podcast. <laughs> thinking about a funny thing that happened earlier. Very dry. <laughs> Sorry. Third go. Probably so, interrupt. Yeah, the, the drought-stricken sort of um, aspect of the town. There's fires happening near the town that are just sort of on the extraneous sort of thing. They're just mentioned once or twice, which I, I think is interesting because the film actually was set for release in August 2020, but it was filmed in 2019 before the fires and before COVID. Right. And then it's been sort of put in this film, which is actually really interesting to sort of see that sort of aspect. Maybe that's in There's Jane no Patterson's book, which is what this film is based yeah, on, true. The Dry by Jane I mean, Patterson. There are also like bushfires in Australia like every year. So it's True, but like, the fact mm, that we had like but the, the craziness that we ones, had yeah. Yeah. at the start There's of no 2020. There's no references to COVID, right? No. No, and I mean totally 2019, done. so yeah, 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 yeah. mid 2019, I think it was filmed. Yeah, cool. So I think yeah, I think that was kind of kind of done. But so I guess okay, I'm gonna go around the circle here. I I I'll give a bit of time. So I'll go first. I'll field this one. My own question, which I'm about to ask. Um, I want to get what your favorite thing about it was. Right, and you got to pick one, but I guess you can have one, two if you want. My favorite thing about this movie was the cinematography. I thought it looked really fucking brilliant. Um, I thought it was actually lit extremely well, which is pretty hard because there were a lot of times where um, there was a lot of like indoor and outdoor shots, mm. and I thought it did a really good job of um, like it just composing the the frame really well. Uh, sorry, I'm I'm being a fucking nerd about it. It just looks really great, and I thought that all of the the cinematography was very powerful. I think in it the all felt quite natural as well. I almost yeah. didn't notice that, like all the indoor shots feel indoors without feeling dingy. Yeah, and all the outdoor shots feel very natural and don't feel like they're being filled in. Mm. That's a good way to put what I yeah. mean. Is that yeah? The, I, I I suppose what I was looking at, or what I was thinking about when I was looking at it was like, fuck, this would have been really challenging to film. Yeah, because the dynamic range of filming like the the harsh bright australian outback and these not well lit <laughs> indoor like fucking old houses yeah. would have been really challenging but they did a really good job and it yeah. makes it feel very moody it almost it almost had like a roger deacon's quality yeah. of, of leveraging <laughs> and that's the highest praise that we can offer well of leveraging, leveraging shadows really nicely like they weren't afraid to silhouette characters in this film you mm. didn't see like the the lighting was often very moody Often very, yeah. um, very dingy, mm. but not like so you couldn't see what the fuck was going on. It was just really atmospheric, and I really liked it. I loved the way that it looked, and I suppose my one point five things that I liked is, and sorry if I'm stealing one, the way that the Australian landscape looked in this movie. 
mm-hmm. because I thought that it had some of the most effective use of drone shots that I've ever seen. It had a few that that kind of showed... It reminded me of the intro to Blade Runner 2049 where it's yeah. roving across the future LA landscape. I got a bit of like interstellar kind of... Right, yeah. kind great, of stuff great. Like shot over the fields. Totally, yeah, because it's showing that Australian farm landscape and then like there's a couple of shots with these like... T- um, like whirly gigs, I don't know what they're you know like those little miniature mm. tornadoes. Yeah. In there's like one shot with three of them in the same yeah. field, which was fucking amazing. Yeah, there's a few shit, like that dudes just sitting on a field for six months waiting. For oh yeah, their drone was going. <laughs> they were just they just had two drones. One of them was charging. One of them was up in the air for like five days. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. um, and then uh, what was really kind of crazy for me was when you see a lot of the a lot of it takes place in like bushland, even like kind of I don't know. There's a, there's a significance to this. A rocky outcrop with a tree mm. there that they kind of keep going back to because it's where something important happens. And I just remember thinking like, I know that that looks nice, but they've also picked a very innocuous piece of Australian landscape to sort of focus on. And I kind of love that because it wasn't like this... I was you know, expecting a lot of fucking Australia the movie, Crocodile Dundee ass, fucking red no, outback yeah. shit. I mean, that's what I and was going to say. It was just you don't the, get wide, any of that. the big wide shots, sure, but it was also, it had a lot of intimate thought put into it because I've watched it twice now. So I watched it once um, a couple months ago before I talked about it mm. um, the first time. And then I watched it again just recently with you guys. So I got to re see a lot of it. And a lot of effort went into, like, there are characters you don't properly meet till halfway through the film. They're yeah. in the background. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're yeah. Prob- in the background and it really captures the sense of not just the grand open sort of aspect of the country but also the intimacy of the small community, the community where the faces yeah. you see are the extras in the background you don't meet for a long time right. and they're in yeah. frame they're there they're there a lot and that's part of the idea that they keep walking past them they keep in, they're coming up to them they keep seeing them in the background just like you would in a small town but and you don't really know that you're going to have anything to do with them until later on when they become relevant to the story mm-hmm. yeah, but you inevitably do cool. just like you would in a small town yeah, which is yeah. why I really like that aspect of it mm. I really liked how thinking about the way the small towns depicted I feel like it was I haven't seen many movies set in outback australia at all yeah but thinking about the ones that i have they're very mainstream old school movies like crocodile dundee and priscilla queen of the desert Mm. um and i mean even that fucking uh razorback razorback yeah that treat the outback as a very quaint cartoony kind of setting well like a theme park yeah and you don't Mm. get like a very you don't feel like what you're getting is an honest depiction of what it's like out there. And yeah. it almost feels like they're saying, oh, it's the fucking 1940s out yeah. there. Yeah. By the end Everyone of the drive, you on feel like a member of that community. Yeah. It, 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 every other movie has given me this impression that it, it feels like everyone lives on a fucking cattle station out there. And maybe <laughs> this maybe this town isn't in the same area as those films. But the point is, it feels like it, the movie... The town in the movie feels very out of time and at the same time it feels very modern mm. in a way that I can tell is very realistic and very real and very true to what it might be like to live in an outback town like that mm. in mm-hmm. a way that I haven't felt in a movie like this before. And maybe yeah. it is just that like those other films have had big Hollywood mainstream backing. Yeah, whereas this one is just had, this is. Yeah, this one's had Australian backing, which we were talking about, where it's been yeah. funded by the various different aspects of Australia, like the Frankenstein Australian funding yeah. you've got to do for big sort of um, blockbuster Australian picks. So maybe that's part of it, right? That it yeah. had an Australian production and Australian money sort of behind it as well. Yeah. Mm. And I suppose that instead of being set in the Northern Territory, this feels like it's set in like the rural New It's rural Victoria. And so you get It was that shot in rural Victoria too, yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure. And, yeah. and so you get that different kind of feeling to it, which I really liked. Mm. Uh, my favourite bit of the movie um, 
unrelated to the cinematography, uh, is... I thought you were going to say unrelated to the movie. Unrelated to the movie. <laughs> Popcorn and shit. No, my favourite <laughs> favorite bit of the movie was that... So, we, met, we sort of touched on before the idea that the movie is partly focusing on the mystery of... Uh, the modern day part of the film where there's this apparent murder suicide of a family mm. and this guy knew the guy knew the family that died and so Eric feels Banner like knew the, yeah. Eric Banner's character knew Was the childhood family that died. friends yeah and well, so he feels like he's partially responsible to uh, work out if anything more happened with mm. the death of this family or whether it is as it seems. And so part of the movie is the mystery of that. And then, then part of the movie is him, his constant reflections and constantly being reminded of the death that happened 20 years ago that everyone thinks he's partially responsible for. Mm. And the movie doesn't feed you very much information about the past uh, mystery. Mm. At all. And it plays with the chronology of the events that it's showing flashing back in a way that keeps you in the dark and keeps you guessing and you have no idea whether the people in the town are sort of right to be suspicious of him or not. So, like, the first example, which is early on in the film, so this isn't much of a spoiler, but when he goes to that funeral, there's the funeral for the family that that has been killed at the start. Yeah. And he is standing at the back of the funeral and he's... We flash back and forth to him thinking about his childhood friend, who's one of the people who who committed suicide, whose family it was. Yeah. But you see them with it's it's the two boys, and then there's two girls that they're also friends with, and it's this scene where um, they're all playing at this river, and his friend keeps dunking one of the girls under the water, and so while he's at this person's funeral, where um, he wants to kind of see if there's anything more to this. You understand that he's now retrospectively looking at the whole friendship to figure out, was there something I missed? Were there any warning signs? Were there any warning signs? I mean, yeah. I do I believe that he did very, or did not do this? I think this? that's a specific example of this film doing that multiple times. Yeah. Where it, it does it's it very all good the time. It's, really it's very great. good at casting doubt on almost every single yeah. character yeah, in really almost good. every single way because this film was an absolute masterclass in showing and not telling. Mm. Yeah. Which is why the dual storyline is almost like, it's not like both are happening at the same time like a film where there's two different timelines happening. It's very much played like his memory and his recollection. Mm. And you're or even forced to consider whether he's remembering a murder he did. Like, and I it's think, always yeah, you don't know that. That's the best thing you'd have. Always no idea. making you as the viewer, and it's very aware of it. It's always making you as the viewer concerned and questioning what you're being fed, which yeah. is why it's really good at that. There's a movie we saw recently that does that same thing where you don't know whether the main character is guilty or not. And I don't remember what it is, but it was another thing where it's a, f- a film that very tactically feeds you information in a way where if they presented the movie's events chronologically, there would be no movie. Right. But because of the way that they've edited it together, it creates a story where there isn't one. Yeah. I, th- I think it, I think it's a f- I, I, I just I was constantly impressed by it the whole time, thinking mm. like, fuck, you could have just it could have just been someone was handed all this footage. Yeah. Like uh Shoplifters, is that what you're thinking of? I'm maybe, just curious. Yeah, no, I, I don't remember. Maybe it's a common enough we'll trope that's ringing a few different bells. Yeah, I mean, but not really. But Memento but does a similar thing with time, where it cuts cuts back and forward in a in a sense where each new scene is just derived from the perspective of the old scene. And it Memento's a good itself. example of mm. uh, 
I suppose the idea of the editing trick mm. that I'm talking about yeah. that I, I, I really got out of this, but I just thought it was great. And I thought that it it added a lot of depth to the motivation of his character that you don't often yeah. get in like copies trying to serve a mi- solve a mystery in a small right. town. Right. Like I thought just the idea that like, I sort of got this idea that because um, it's, it's his childhood best mate that has apparently done this murder suicide. And so on the one hand, he's trying to see if he can clear the name of his best mate. And on the other hand, um, he's trying to sort of come to terms with, and it's almost this cathartic, therapeutic process of him trying to come to terms with whatever happened 20 years ago. Right. And the whole time you go through it, you don't know whether he's trying to make amends for something he did 20 years ago or whether he's trying to clear the name of his friend for something his friend did 20 years ago. Yeah. Because it's constantly keeping you in the dark as to Mm. what his thought process might be. And And I think what... Sorry. No, that that was sort of it. It just lets you like... The, the way that you see him analysing his memories and the way that you are analysing his memories is often, you're, we're often at odds with what he might be yeah. thinking. Well, and what we always talk about, which is a failing, I think, often of the crime fiction genre, is, is those films that do it badly and they, they throw in so many red herrings and cast, it's about that idea of casting doubt on mm. you and your interpretation or the information that you're being fed. And you can either do that, you can either have the main character's reality cast into doubt or you can have the viewer's reality cast into doubt. And it's very easy, I think, to throw so much shit into the problem or into the storyline that the viewer just goes, well, I don't fucking know. You're obviously trying to mislead me and all of this could... Like, yeah. now I just feel like uh, you're... you're I, I just have to wait for you to reveal it. Exactly. You're just you're just fucking lying to me. Exactly. Well, I and feel and, like that's and, and it's a sense of frustration. Whereas... In my opinion, this had a really tough line to find of um, making sure that it didn't make the viewer feel like there was so much shit going on that there was no satisfaction from the reveal. Yeah, I never felt that annoying Agatha Christie thing where it's like, oh, I could never have fucking figure yeah, it exactly. out. And that's the strength of the script because yeah. you learn to not trust characters because every single one of them lies at some point as well. But I right. kind of like that Like a lot of the characters had their own shit. Like, There's a lot of... This isn't this isn't really a spoiler, but like there are heaps of like twists and turns where he's trying to work out who the suspect might be for this modern day incident that may or may not be more complex than he thinks it is. Mm. And you don't even know if he's looking for someone or whether it is just a murder suicide. So half the right. thing is him trying to work out is anything fishy going is on someone here? else involved and then yeah. there are so many kind of red herringy clue type things that happen along the way. And I love the the way that it depicts the complexity of the community where like half the people in the community almost don't give a fuck about what's happening and they have their Mm. own shit going on and stuff that people are doing which seems suspicious is for completely unrelated reasons. Well, and they all fucking hate him. And so you're not Mm. sure if they're acting hostile because he's a cop, because he's an outsider and he left, because they think he had something to do with this young girl's death that happened so many years ago. And that does make people act suspicious. And you kind of watch him try to cut through that behavior to figure out if there's something else going on or if that person just fucking hates him and Mm. wants him out of the town. And the depth to those relationships is so well done. Which is why I want to read the book because I want to know if Robert Connolly has done, and it's the second adaptation of a book he's done. Right. Mm. Um, And that that adaptation actually, he transposed from Sydney to Los Angeles. But with this one, he said it has to stay in rural Victoria because of how tied to the actual plot that um, location is. Yeah, the bush and the... Yeah, exactly. And And so I'm really keen... 
I want to read it. I want to know if the strength of the script is in the screenplay or if the book itself is as strong as this script. Because the way it intercuts that flashbacking stuff, it'd be a mess in a book. So I'm really interested to see if it does the same thing or if it's mm. different. It'd be really interesting to read it. That might be a very clever visual way of dealing with the fact that the book might have had a lot of internal dialogue type stuff, internal monologue type stuff. Yeah, you've got a tough ask. I mean, the editing in this movie was very strong. Yeah. And... Um, in fact, I thought it's funny that the editing to the flashbacks was really well done. Sometimes the conversations felt a little stilted because they would do like just one shot, mm. one shot, one shot, yeah. one shot, one shot. And I was like, give me the fucking two shot where they're both in the same room yeah. talking at the same time so I can see them interacting with each other. But, but again, I like that. And I think it was on purpose because it's memory. It's disjointed. It's not as holistic. And, it, and that's why you had the varying lengths. It's why sometimes it didn't really connect very well because of the chaotic nature of recollection. Mm. I don't I'm know, saying the conversations it. that just took place in the current yeah, no, day oh, were the, the, current le- were the day, weakest right. part of the editing, oh, which right. is funny because you would expect it to be having to integrate the flashbacks. Because yeah, that's sure. really challenging, but I actually thought that was the strongest part of the cut editing. Cut my bit was out, the way cut that shit. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> um, it's interesting to talk about. Yeah, yeah, I'm, sorry. I know we moved past it, but I think that the movie right, that I was thinking of where they control the flow of information through editing really well was Knives Out. Oh. Where that oh, movie, okay. there yeah, would okay. be no mystery if they just presented shit to you chronologically. Oh, right, because they right, play with right. time a lot sure, in that movie sure. and go, "This is how shit happened," sure. but really, this is how shit happened. Mm. But really, this is what happened. Like, yeah. there's it creates a lot more mystery for the viewer. That isn't necessarily there for yeah. the detective. Very or similar for all to the, the Agatha Christie thing, right? Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a very delicate balance between lying to the audience, and making them feel cheated, and just hiding a whole bunch. Yeah, and um, and doing it well. Yeah, exactly, always sort of yeah. We didn't. Did we talk about your favorite bit of this movie? No, no. And and because it's been so long, I'm going to talk about two favorite things about this film. And there's nothing either you can do apart from you. Damn. Um. So my favorite, <laughs> other my than fa- the fact that we have the final cut. So. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Um, no, it's Dan. So my favourite three things I've already. One of them's been covered. Oh. <laughs> one of them's already yeah, been covered. Been one of them's my already. My favourite four things. So my favourite five things. Yeah. <laughs> Cinematography, obviously, it was. It's really good. Mm. And then my uh, the next thing that I really liked in this film, and it's something I really recognised when watching it both times, is the score and the soundtrack. The score was very a song. good. I was about the to score, say I did not notice the music at the, all. The emotional <laughs> tone, well, the emotional tone good. that's conveyed by the score is perfect. The fact that it delivers this kind of mysterious, kind of intriguing sort of tone that permeates the entire film just makes that kind of haunting, sort of scarred relationship with memory just, it really brings it to the surface. It, it, and it, it makes held it so interesting. So well. And it really feels like Eric Banner's performance is reflected in the music as well, like mm. his emotional state. Eric Banner is so fucking good in this. Yeah, mm. he's pretty good. I've never seen... I thought, like, this is the first time I've ever seen Eric Banner. I was like, fuck, Eric Banner, he looks great. He never looks out of place. He, his performance is so subtle yeah. and yet mm. so believable. And that's a great segue to my third favourite thing, or one of the one of the favourite things, I'm not going to number them, the acting in this film, generally. Not just Eric Banner, but even just the extras, like the guy who plays some guy who drives a tractor around, or like yeah. the parents of the deceased. Like every actor in this film just does an amazing performance that's believable. I thought the and cop, excellent. the guy that plays the country cop, yeah, that's is so so good. Yeah. yeah, he plays. I would Kieran love O'Donnell to, or something like that. I don't know his name, but but like I, I think that in a lot of movies where um, you don't know, you've never seen an actor before, it's hard to be impressed by that actor unless you've seen him in something else to know that they have range. Right. So, but so that guy plays like naive and nervous so well. 
yeah. in such a believable way that I just assume that that is him. And then you see him with his wife and he's like a little bit more relaxed and jokey and stuff. And then yeah. one that scene later, he has to really assert himself and you can see he's shitting his pants. There's like lots yeah. of subtext to the character mm. where his his actual action is you have to assert yourself to this person. But the subtext is, and you're very bad at doing that. And, and, and so, like, it's a real struggle for you to do that. And also, mm. you know that you're kind of cutting a tie with this character. So, you have to... It's a real pain to have to do. And you're right. I thought that performance was one of the strongest ones. I actually really struggled with how I felt about Eric Banner's performance in this film. Mm. Because at times, it felt so genuine that it almost felt like it wasn't acting. Which is obviously good acting. <laughs> but at times, I felt like he was almost too relaxed in a way where his delivery just seemed a little bit off. Do you think it's that Ryan Gosling thing where it feels like he's doing nothing? No, that felt like he was doing something. It's just, I I don't really know. And I thought he did a really good job. I thought it was, it almost could have been an issue with the editing, like where they cut around his lines a little bit strangely. There were just kind of strange pauses or, or whatever. Um, or he didn't quite match the energy level of the person that he was talking to very well. He'd be like a little bit more cordial or less cordial. But at the same time, like it, it did have this like real veneer of, um, I don't know, like you said, he just, it, it feels like he walked out of the town and started acting. You know what I mean? Like he fits yeah. right the fuck in there with all these other people, I, with this other cast of characters. And he, the way he talks to people and switches between being like a normal guy and then adopting this like cop tone yeah. of professionalism. Yeah, yeah. he does is, that really. That was well. so good. like I believed yeah. he was a good cop. And like, I think I the believe cop he was shit a cop is way more natural yeah. for him. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the and when he has to be a real human being, it, yeah. it's sort of a lot less easy. And like it's in subtle things. Like one time yeah. they, they 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 go into someone's house and this old lady's like, "Oh, do you want chocolate cake?" And the the newer sort of state cops like, "No." And Eric Banner's like, "Yes, thank you," because he knows that that's the thing you do when you're invited into a home. Right. And you, it's obviously yeah, going to make yeah. him more trusted. Yeah. Like just little subtle things that made me really believe he was doing a good job. But then I didn't know if I could trust him either with the flashbacks, which is why it's such mm. a such an interesting film to watch and it's it's easy to focus also on his like line delivery but uh, uh, one thing that i will say is at no point when he was not delivering dialogue was i snapped out of his character at all i thought his non-verbal acting in this film was immaculate yeah. and you spend a lot of fucking time just face. looking at this dude's face right. Fuck almost like shirt like well. ryan gosling <laughs> in, in in blade runner 2049 yeah he's ripped dude yeah. he was awesome like uh, he was he's eric banner so built he might, Very be like, he might be like the best looking guy I've ever seen. He looks, he looks <laughs> so good. Oscar was <laughs> extremely attracted to Eric Banner in this film. I think multiple times I was like, dude, Eric Banner looks fucking Yeah, great. I know. And I was like, <laughs> trying to focus on the plot, dude. Um, <laughs> he's born in 68. So dude, this motherfucker's great. nearly 50. Really? Anyway. Um, yeah, so... Wait, 50... No, not 52. It must be right? those gamma rays he got. No, never mind. Um yeah, so very nice. Very nice. You want to joke there? Yeah, fuck. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I think like Sorry, you spend so much the time. Real secret is I'm never funny. <laughs> you spend so much time <laughs> looking at his his re- reactions and his like his thought processes when you when you're just watching him like mm. you know trying to process what he's seeing or trying mm. to piece together things and he's not saying anything or whatever and he's got this really really fascinating I mean like part of his character at one point is identified by a, an old childhood friend as like 
you, you always were quiet and you watch, but you saw everything. And I mm. feel like he does have that real, like, observational yeah. quality to him. Like, not a wallflower, but, you know, yeah, someone who's very careful and considered and, and watches everything before they open their mouth. Yeah. And I think he did, he did that really well. It's very good casting. Yeah. I'd love movie, to know who else was considered. The for teenage that actors too. in this film, surprisingly, they're good all really too. good. They were yeah. really great. Yeah, I think definitely. the movie, in terms of the, the depiction of the mystery, I think this might be one of the best I've seen in cinema in terms of it being a crime fiction. In terms of a movie where there's a mystery or mm. some sort of crime fiction type thing where they're trying to figure something out and the audience doesn't know either and you're along for the ride in this detective work. So like one mm. of the most emotionally compelling sort of journeys. Uh, yeah, but no, I literally just think that like th- there are some movies where the mystery is very frustrating because it feels obvious or it feels like we've said before, the movie's like lying to you in a way where you couldn't possibly keep up. But this one like involves the audience and treats the audience with intelligence so frequently throughout the movie mm. where there'll be like a tiny little clue and you'll be like, uh, and they won't explain it. Yeah. And then they'll go to the next scene and they will be acting on that tiny clue. Yeah. Like the thing where they... um Colour of bullets is a thing at one point. Yeah, that yeah. That, that thing. And there's there's a thing where... Um, I mean, this is this is almost getting frustrating. But there's, there's they find a clue where one of the deceased characters has written something down on a piece of paper and the way they interpret that at some point... That felt like the weakest part of the film for me, but I get what you mean. It just yeah. is immediately apparent. They they jump to a conclusion about something to do with that, and uh, it's not it's necessarily... Not, like, it doesn't baby you along very much. Yeah. And My favourite... Like, yeah, I, I, like, I feel like I put that together and was like, oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. And then the character got it at the same right. time. Yeah. Like, way where like I, he looks at a security camera footage of, of a character. He zooms in, and then it immediately cuts to him going to talk to that person. He doesn't turn to his partner and say, we have to question Bob, this new right. guy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, like, that's... A, a a lesser, that's what it does. A lesser, like, because it, it's a very grainy photo, but it's like, come on, man. You've yeah. Been watching, and we, it's we a character you've you seen, like, once before. Yeah. yeah. And exactly. But it trusts you that you've been paying attention. Yeah. And that you know, you know the significance of him seeing that. And mm. where it is, exactly. Yeah. Because it's this grainy CCT footage yeah. of this street you should recognize. Exactly. And, and you yeah. have yeah. to remember, you have exactly. to remember, that's that character I saw once, and mm. he said this, but because mm. he's in this photo at that place and the yeah. geography of the town, that's that must I, mean this. I didn't think yeah, about the showing thing, just treating audiences with a high level of intelligence. That's a good Yeah, you have to. And that's. A lot of people, a lot of feedback that trivial that that compromises films when they do shit like focus testings is people they'll lead people down this garden path where they're like, did you get that kind of? And people will be like, um, yeah, I guess. They're like, do you yeah. think other people will get that? They're like, I don't know. It's pretty hard to get. And then they're like, right, you need to put something Smash in that yeah, this. so that it zooms in. It's yeah. bullshit. It sacrifices the believability of the film because it's it's like totally in, gra- in Gravity yeah. where George Clooney and Sandra Bullock are both astronauts and one of them explains yeah. some trivial thing about relativity to the other well yeah. someone explain in, in interstellar someone explains to matthew mcconaughey what a wormhole is doing that folding the piece of paper and sticking yeah. pen through a thing and it's like yeah motherfucker it's this dude is an astronaut like the first cut of blade runner where they got harrison ford to explain everything that yeah was the film on the noir screen with the fucking so narration it's, it's terrible so funny. It's, you one of the biggest that. mistakes that gets made in films yeah. so you need yeah. to do that where it breaks you out and you're like these two experts these two cops wouldn't be having this conversation with mm. each other or you have to have some dumb Mm. Character that they have to explain everything to, and even yeah. then, if you if you're an audience member that's been paying attention, as soon as any character spends any amount of time explaining anything that I've already got, I'm like, yeah, I get it. Fuck, right? Keep yeah, I know. And yeah. I feel like I never got that in this movie in a way that I fucking love because I mm. love a good mm. mystery, and I felt like I was along for the ride. It was extremely the whole time. compelling the whole yeah. time. Yeah. I loved that. So when you first get to the crime scene, um, they. 
they dropped a bunch of clues in that first go. It wasn't like they go to the crime scene looking for something and they find the first clue and act on the first yeah. clue. You get the bullets colored, yep. the colored, the color of the shells. The and then the fact that someone greeted someone at the door that right. was odd. Exactly. The, 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 the fact the, the baby didn't die. Like, yeah, a right. whole bunch of things get revealed and, in that opening. Yeah, the color and then of the they act thing, on. I love yeah. because they treat it like it's a very important clue and then they find like fucking. Mm. Five people that have those bullets. Yeah. yeah, and and one of them, the first one that they ask about it, they're like, "Did you use um, Remingtons or yeah. whatever the other ones are? Yeah, Winchesters. Winchesters it's like Remingtons yeah. or Winchesters. Uh, no, he's like, "What bullets did you use?" And the guy's like, "I don't know, maybe Remingtons or Winchesters. Whatever's which cheaper. are the two types of fucking yeah. bullets." Yeah, and they're like. Right, <laughs> I, I love, but I love as an audience member where it's yeah, whatever's it's, it's cheaper. It's exactly. pointing Very out realistic. in a self-aware yeah. kind of way, like we've prescribed. We've you've assigned this meaning to this thing yeah. that within the context of this very complex world is completely trivially a meal. It's in a country yeah. town, they all have guns. Like Yeah, and yeah. it's such a mess. Like there's two types of bullets you can get. So of course half the fucking town is gonna use yeah. one of those types of bullets. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's it's part of a clue. It is, but yeah, it's um it doesn't it's not immediately solving the whole thing mm. and there is no like there is no one clue that kind of like Cements the together. whole thing and makes yeah. it obvious or anything. It's all well. It's, it's a big. There is one major one, and that, that's yeah. Yeah, yeah you I mean, I guess. Chat but now, then I think we've talked about it enough. Well, enough maybe let's. Stuff. I did want to. I did want to say I'm really happy with how well this film is doing. Um, because apparently oh, yeah, it's made it, its budget it back made three point right? five million dollars during its opening weekend, which made it one of the highest grossing Australian we- uh, Australian film weekends um, ever, like opening yeah. release weekends, mm. which was good. And apparently in five weeks it made 19 million and it overtook Muriel's Jesus. Wedding and The wow. Water Diviner for 17th on all-time best earning oh. Australian <laughs> film, just behind Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Yeah, But so it might have overtaken it now. It but yeah, um, Which, I, I don't know, I really like when an Australian film does yeah. well and, is, and good, is good. So Often Australian films I see feel like, I, the last one I can remember us watching was that Ladies in Black movie, which was fun, but it was very camp- it felt like a play. Yeah, a I see what I, you mean. I feel like a lot of Australian films that I see that crack into the mainstream mm. have a feeling of theatricality. Got to see the ones that I watched, Baby. So I watched yeah. High Ground, The Furnace. Both are set in like 1890, early 1900s. They're more about like an Australian Western, yeah. which is called a meat pie Western, which is a term mm. I fucking love because it plays <laughs> off spaghetti Westerns. And so you've really got to like try and find those sort of films. Long story short, again, very different sort of premise. Yeah. Well, He's my favourite Australian film is Animal Kingdom. And I feel like Australian films do really well when they aim for that like really fearlessly aim for that darker, more brooding tone. And you just don't get that a lot of the time because you do end up with like The Merger or like Mm. Ladies in Black where it's that kind of like, oh, we do comedy really well. We're a funny bunch. So we're going to write like a funny, lighthearted kind of script. Maybe we'll try and get an M rating and appeal to a wider audience. And they feel like these made for a wider audience type films. And it almost feels like like they've been signed off by the Australian Tourism Board. Yeah, like they play off the fact they're Australian instead of just setting it in Australia and going And then having it be pretty Just having it realistically Australian. The way that this did the crime scene, it was like a steady cam shot that just rose past these corpses with their chests yeah. open and I was like god damn this fucking rules yeah. like it's it was so unashamed about the darkness of the topic that it was covering yeah. and, and that was, was just before the opening of dead drought stricken land and then it's dead yeah with like the people. number of days like, since it rained being yeah. like over oh, but the a idea year. that the land is dead and then it sweeps over to the people yeah, being yeah, dead yeah. like there's just yeah. so much nice cinematography in the film that's easy yeah. to love mm. I still don't know what you mean about Animal Kingdom and like Australian movies maybe like pulling their punches a bit. I think so. 
Uh, and and I think maybe it's the fact that it's so hard to get anything off the ground. And that they're if like, oh, we don't want to offend anyone. We'll just like, right? Yeah, yeah right. Play to the common, pl- mm. play to the common denominator in a way that I yeah. makes it feel like. I guess they're the Australian films that are like easy to market and easy to push on people, yeah. so they get wider advertising. Yeah. Whereas like Brothers Nest, which I was recommending to you guys ages mm. ago, very dark comedy, like very dark. Like mm. about about two thirds of the way in, you realize it's it's dark now because right. <laughs> someone's died, so yeah. it's no longer. A Pixar film, um, and like uh, Cargo, the Martin Freeman zombie film, that's, right. that's also really dark. Like they're out there; they're just I not. They're out there. They're not shoved down your face, though. Like yeah. a lot of like the well, best Australia film. Exactly. Yeah. That's the reason that you've got to kind of mm. like proactively seek them out, which sucks. Mm. But yeah, I don't know. It's not a trap that all Australian films fit into. I think it's more a, a symptom of the high budget Australian films that just want to make money and don't really care for their content. Yeah. Mm. So I think that's. I think I think if we've convinced you to watch it now, it's probably time to tune out because I want to talk a bit about the ending and a bit about yeah, the ending would be a, good. A bit about all the different uh, red herrings and twists and turns in the film. So if if you wanted to miss out on the spoilers, we can put a little time code for where to skip to if you want to hear the end of the episode. Uh, whenever we stop talking about spoilers, but I think now is probably a spoiler warning. Yeah, this is a really good film, so Definitely I would go and check it out. And also like. Just go and fucking support Australian cinema. Yeah. We're not we're not um going soft on it because it's an Australian film and, and we're giving it a good review eat, like oh, I despite would. If, that. If this was shit, if this was a quaint fucking mm. movie, I'd be fucking letting you know. Yeah, exactly. It's an annoying yeah. trope. This it, is it a very good me. film. It makes me happy and, to hear um, that because I was pushing yeah. you guys to watch this for yeah. fucking ages. I'm kin- so. I'm just gonna make it a habit of mine to check out more mm. Aussie films, mm. regardless of whether or not, you know, people say that they're good or not. But mm. like this has a Metacritic rating of like sixty eight. And I think it's much better than that. Yeah. So hundred percent of Rotten Tomatoes, baby. Yeah. Yeah. That's good at least. Yeah. Um Unfortunately, that it's a shit tool. Yeah. So you know, um, it's it's absolutely worth your time. I would go and see it if you're at all inclined for like if you enjoy um, things that look beautiful. If you enjoy seeing Australia reflected, even the soundscape is very Mm. Australian. Yeah, just the general fucking Whitbirds. The general sound design in this film was really excellent. And again, it never felt like corny or no. For the sake of it, it was so Australia, all world building, really cool. Um, So yeah, worth your time. I would go and see it. I would urge you to. Yeah. So without further ado, hmm. if you're here, you don't care or you've seen it. Um, so obviously there's all these twists and turns, but it turns out that in the end, uh, Eric Banner's character... Um, I don't, I don't want to spoil it. What did you like about the ending? Um, I, I sort of didn't... Out of all the different possible complexities and different characters and different motivations that were in it, mm. I kind of didn't like... That it was the felt that it was the teacher guy yeah. of Christmas yeah. yeah. felt it a bit felt out of nowhere. Out yeah. of nowhere. Well, the gambling thing, like again, rewatching it, you do see him gamble in the background before you've met him, and like, mm. which I really like that He's they've embedded there. it there. And yeah. sure, they have yeah. the wife looking for him and blah blah blah. But like, it's it's set before that, and then he looks again at the same space, and then that's when he goes to check the grants because he realizes that that person probably had a gambling addiction from it from a shot from over an hour ago. So I think they could have kind of hard to follow some of that. Yeah. The the only my only problem with it is that I think they they really they go back to the idea of the finances two or three times, mm. and they almost write it off. And I think if they just connected one tiny little bit more to that idea of the grants process or mm. something, even someone at the school, just so you had some fucking inclination mixed in there, it would have felt a little bit less out of nowhere. And some I scene where it. the school doesn't have enough money for something. Or right, whatever, yeah. I would have loved. 
Yeah. We would that. have a tree planting process right now, ceremony right now, but we can't afford you a know, fucking tree. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not I don't have a good solution on how to do yeah, it. But yeah. I will agree that it felt a little bit out of nowhere. I thought it was going to very satisfyingly be um his the other woman. Gretchen? Yeah. Yeah. I was when that, I first saw it, I was turning to my partner being like, It's Gretchen. And I wanted <laughs> I wanted her to have that like fucking stone cold psycho moment. Yeah. You know, where yeah, you just like see a, the like a gone girl kind of Oh yeah. yeah. I thought that would have been really cool. Yeah. Um I thought that would have been maybe that the other woman kind of trope is a bit overplayed. Yeah, I felt like the principal money, money problems was relatable and sad Much in a way more realistic. that made it yeah. that made it part of that community issue. And it did yeah. they did play into it because obviously the thing is that they skipped through it very quickly and there were things that I picked up on on a second watch and you guys might have already picked up on. But the fact that the mugging he refers to for the reason they moving they moved was actually a lie and he actually just just owed debt people were coming after him. And yeah, then they I made him like hold the murder tools that they were going to kill his daughter with. Like it happens really quickly because yeah. of the nature of the scene. I but like they do how sort of plant the things that can be reframed in a way that I think is generally satisfying. Yeah. But I think the main issue I have with the ending, if I had to have one, is the fact that both of the timelines don't necessarily meet up together. They actually happen independent of each other almost. What do you mean Apart from, so the actual end result of the past timeline in no way really impacts the future timeline. There's separate events that just happen parallel of each that's, other. That's uh, except for the emotional tones that purvey across both. Yeah. yeah. So what I sort of got I out of it... I actually quite like that. I could understand how people wouldn't like I, I know sure. some people have watched it and not mm. really like that bit of it and I can understand you think it's going to give you a clue yeah and it's a bit of a, just a loose thread that doesn't really get tidied up and it's a bit sad and it is quite sad yeah well yeah. I suppose obviously what it is is Eric Banner for the whole movie has no idea himself whether his what happened. mate killed Ellie or yeah, not yeah exactly he thinks he, he thinks that Luke might have killed Ellie yeah because of that night that Luke panickedly burst into his house yeah. and was like if anyone asked I was fucking with you I was with you and then like runs away, yeah. and then. But he says to help you, you we have to say I was. Yeah, but with it's not you. very convincing in yeah, that moment. Exactly. It looks like he's more trying to coach Eric Banner's character mm. on what to say. Exactly, like, I was with you. Just remember to say I was with you. Yeah, he and definitely. It's like did oh, come he's covering way. his own ass, yeah. and so then the whole time. All those little flashbacks to me are Eric Banner, yeah, like trying to reflect on what his what what uh, what's his name Jack Luke on what Luke was like when they were teenagers and like mm. did I miss something? Did he fucking do it? And so he's trying to like alleviate his own guilt for having missed something in the past, mm. Mm. and at the same time, um, yeah, I feel like he sort of feels guilty about not being there 30 years ago and thinking, yeah. well, I'm here now. I'm going to fucking follow through with everything now for this thing because I don't want to miss something again. Yeah. Like he feels guilty that his dad like dragged him away and yeah. couldn't go back. But even then like, you're still not convinced the whole time that uh, that Eric Banner's character didn't do didn't something do nefarious it, yeah. too. Well, like yeah, that's why sure there's so many multi- something happening or whatever. Yeah. You're or not like, sure until the very end whether maybe he was maybe maybe blaming himself for being partially responsible. Maybe I thought maybe she was going to be drowned in the river when they were playing and he feels yeah, like right, he should have right. stepped in. I thought he was going to see totally her kill herself and so he knew what... Or, oh, or right. see something and he's known what happened the whole time but never had the courage to speak up about it and so he feels guilty for never giving people in the town closure about mm. it and he it was too deep so he couldn't have gone back and they yeah. would have thought that she killed him anyway and then that he could have been held responsible so for not helping sad. him. Did, did yeah. you guys pick up on the fact he walked through the riverbed that they were playing Yeah, in? yeah, that, that rules. That was fucking sick. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact, did and you... Also, I, 
one person I was watching it with also noticed that I oh, didn't pick up on the fact that like the the Ellie was being sexually abused by her father. Oh, I thought that was that was fucking sad. My, uh, that was quite heavy. Uh, it was very heavy. I don't. Yeah. It was heavy, and I think a bit heavy-handed. I would agree. In the way where I think the movie had so many complex layers to it that I would almost have been happy it being. Uh, unsaid and just being like she was unhappy at home and she was being abused by her father in like a non-specific <coughs> kind of way. I think the only... Yes, I agree. The poem at the end, which is the way that you kind of find out <coughs> that she was sexually abused, was so on the nose. But it, it was, was also written by a teenager. And so mm. it kind of actually is And visually, accurate. It, it didn't, visually it didn't shove anything in your face. It's no. just her saying it no. and then trying to escape the life. Like, I, suppose I don't think it was necessary. Like, I've seen far worse. Because he killed her, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. so so he her and kills her. yeah totally. Yeah. And, and like, there's no real payoff to that because I don't think he ever pursues it. But Well, I watched it again and he does leave with the bag. Yeah, I think, Implying I think, I think, I think he, he is going to turn it in it. and he right. is going to... like. I, th- I, th- I agreed with that. I thought that that was the point. And then seeing it again, I realised he had the bag. Because I, I, think, think, I think he would have left it in the crevice. I thought he, he was didn't. keeping it for sentimentality. No, I think, I think he was going to hand it in. Yeah. I am... Um, I thought this film also lets you leave with a lot of different yeah. interpretations. Isn't yeah. that really, really cool? cool when you have an, a mystery solved and yet it's still yeah, it's mm. so interesting. One of my favorite things that I thought was going to be right until the very end was I thought that Ellie's dad, who's now this old man who fucking hates Eric Banner. Yeah, I, I, one of my favorite bits in the whole film was when Eric is visiting Ellie's grave. Uh, and <laughs> he the just dad like comes out of the bushes out of and he's like, bah! and yeah. Eric goes like, "Why do you? Why do you want?" me to be lying so desperately yeah. what makes you so sure that what, Do, what makes you want to believe that we were there with her so desperately right and he goes i love my daughter and i thought like fuck so he just wants it to be true because if they weren't there then it's because she killed herself and it's his fault right and i thought that's great just this old guy blaming himself for his daughter's suicide and thinking like i should have done something i wish earlier. it was someone else i wish yeah, I, I I wish that um, I, I felt like he I felt like I liked the idea of him feeling indirectly responsible in yeah, a right. way that had this like huge sense of remorse and regret. I can see why you must have hated the ending. Yeah, well, I didn't hate the <laughs> it ending. Just it felt just, like it was enough. Yeah, uh, yeah I felt yeah. like there was enough emotional complexity there that I felt like it's like oh, it's one more layer that I felt like I didn't really need. Maybe that would feel better in the pacing of a book. Yeah. So you've got more a time long to let those a breathe. Big reflective bit where he goes to the mm. rock and things. That yeah, they, you know. Yeah. But in a in the film, it was like Jesus, this fucking small town. Like, yeah. how much goes on in this? God damn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like, how many? It's just the, the, everyone involved in the story is like a murderer or a rapist or something. So yeah. it felt a little bit like you. They pushed it right at the end, but mm. not mm. enough to. Compromise the quality no, of it. No, I mean I, just I, thought, I, like, I disagreed. I like that. I was satisfied with it, to be honest. Mm. Like the first time, it's shocking, but then rewatching yeah. it, and it's mainly the performance of Ellie's actor is good enough that you can sort of see, like the lack of um, 
the lack of um, sort of confidence in intimacy that she has yeah, with the, yeah, yeah. the early romance with Eric Banner's character, her reluctance to be part of the friendship group and her like severe issues that she's having in the background. I think, I think it was acted out well enough that I was satisfied that she had a serious fucking poor thing happening at home. I suppose that, that like, makes a lot more sense than her not wanting to discuss her being depressed with her yeah, friends. Yeah, and I mean... I don't know. It's up to taste, I well, think. Yeah, and yeah, she like her socially withdrawing and being less adventurous and whatever. That all yeah, that all lines up pretty well. Exactly. I thought it was interesting. So like, she goes to the river and then she doesn't. She she doesn't go to where he is, and then well, she, she goes puts back. her bag away, and that's herself? because she no, she put her bag away, and I think because she then she gets the note out, and she was gonna see um, Aaron Falk. Eric ba- Banner's character She was going to see him And then when she does see him She can't do it Because she wants freedom So badly That she that, then leaves To go get her bag That is then on the way in like her, And the dad yeah, intercepts her Exactly yeah. And the problem with that and, right. I, and I thought the same thing When I watched it as well It's because there's such a long Like trek between her bag And the river It looks like she's changed her mind But the fact she's left her bag Is enough for me to realise She's gone back to, to like To just mm. To get her bag And then leave properly Well I love the implication That he, she couldn't bear the thought like uh, in my mind i i like kind of fear invented, of intimacy maybe not a fear of intimacy a fear that she would try and can that he wouldn't want to leave the town and that she has to and she wants that freedom right and so she she knew that if she or that her went, dad might kill her for having a relationship with another guy as well right something but like uh, in my mind he was going to try and convince her not to leave the town mm. and she just couldn't yeah deal yeah, with that yeah and so she thought i can't have the conversation i just have to it was go the heat mm. thing where, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Heat, where he's yeah. like, I can't, I, I can't have any personal connections. Exactly. I just have to fucking leave in a moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. And the so. depression, sort of, if it was just a depression, sort of mental health issue, like it could be done, but it also risks melodrama and really sort of putting depression on a bit of a theatrical pedestal that might not treat it with a lot of respect as well. Yeah, and also be so. a bit tasteless. Like it's hard to tell. I, I think didn't make the that ending, sexual but. assault felt melodramatic, but mm. I mean, you know, again, there's just different interpretations. Yeah, and I don't mind the depiction of that in mainstream media I feel yeah. like it was just that there was so much going on in the movie already and yeah. it hadn't been and I mean it kind of plays on the fact it is a rural town it is somewhat lawless there's less people around there's yeah. less um, sort of just oversight of what's happening in this community as well and that's why some of those things they, they do happen I'd like to see how, how it went in the book I'd, yeah, yeah I'm going to read this book yeah. now. after seeing the, um, it a second time I'm definitely going to read it I want to see mm. if it was just script word for word or if like Robert Connolly really injected his own sort of thought and sort of concept into it maybe it is literally just because he finds like a fucking note at the end that's like oh what's this mm. another clue and you're like that seems like a, yeah. that clue came yeah, out yeah I like, would have probably had it come up he was some other at way. that rock before like when you dropped the bracelet down there and stuff. Yeah, though, but like, I mean, I think I thought even as an adult, he'd like visited, we'd seen a scene with him as an adult visiting that rock before. And like the timeline of the movie maybe wasn't clear enough. Like, because I, I was justifying to myself in the movie, like why hadn't he found the backpack before? Like that's obviously because yeah. of the emotional significance of the audience of us having this scene where he had his kiss with the girl and then she drops the bracelet down and that was this whole memory of his. For us, maybe the place was a lot more significant than it was for the character. Yeah, he wasn't really thinking about it. Well, wasn't looking yeah, hard but for, for us, it. like yeah. we've seen the only significant place about that rock is that's the crevice where things are. Yeah, and, and he so went then when to lay the flowers down, and that's right. Where he saw it. And yeah. when there was a crevice in there, you're like, oh, that feels like based on the significance of that this place has in the movie for us that mm. he should have found that ages ago. That should have been like. She goes, she she dies, I'm going to go fucking check that crevice. Yeah. The other thing 
that I wasn't really sure how to feel about. It, the book's written by a woman. Yeah. But like, main character's a guy. Most of the main characters, like supporting cast, are dudes. Really, what's the name of the woman that he Gretchen. has? To, Gretchen. No wonder I can't fucking remember it. Gretchen is the only woman with any actual agency. I remember in the it story. because I thought, like, that's such a weird name. They must yeah. have picked, like, what's a memorable name? Yeah, one of the kids <laughs> from Hey Arnold, I think. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, like, I, I, I just wasn't quite sure. I feel like the the head cop could have easily been a woman, and it would have just felt a little more balanced. I don't. Mm. I mean, it's like a, in a it was in a, a nice small country character. town. It's a very like man's world. Well, type it's thing. this trade off of reality yeah. versus yeah. And I really did like Gretchen as a character, and I thought she did have a lot of agency. So that was nice. But it just felt a little bit like every woman in the story has to be murdered or something negative happened to her in order I know, to yeah. drive know. forward the, the, the male police, action of the, the character. The wife, she was in it. And I yeah, and she was, was happy great. with her. Yeah. She, was, she, was, she was a good character. She was, um, but it's, it's wife, that relegation oh, to supporting... The, the, yeah. the mother of, the, um, of Luke, she was also pretty integral for driving Eric Banner to do certain things yeah. as well. I don't know. Like, I didn't think Maybe it was, it was always going to be that way. That, and also, like... Well, it's just that I was thinking about the fact that a lot of the male action in the film was driven forward by dead women. It's like the woman in the refrigerator trope, right? The fucking Christopher Nolan thing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I mean, his best friend's dead too and also sort of driving it. And it's his, I can see what he's his saying, though. It's a, it's, a common, it's a common trope. Yeah. And I feel like it justifies itself. Like, I don't know. There are so many other films that He's not saying there are no this, female though. characters. I don't know if this one's yeah. really guilty of that kind of sin. It's not that there are no women in the film. It's that the driving there force for the, the narrative... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that thing that I said. No, it's that the driving force for the narrative in the film is like dead women. And it could... And and men men trying to solve the problems caused by women dying, you know? Mm. So, I don't know. And like, it is more realistic that someone... That a woman would be sexually abused. It is more realistic that yeah. a man would kill his wife. So, it's like these things that are more common. And so, they're not exactly... And it's like a trend in cinema more generally. So, it's Yeah, it's they're hard, not, like, not realistic. It's just that... Yeah. It, it it is more commonly done that way than it is the other way in narratives and it becomes this problem. This is probably much less guilty of it because it is trying to be crime fiction and it's trying to be based in like very, you know, yeah, believable this is, this reality. Is the one where it's fine. But anyway, I mean no, I know, yeah. I know what you mean. It's it's just uh, like I said, it's it's a it's a female author who has a lot more of an authority to to talk about whether or not that's a problem or not than I do and clearly yeah. You know, in the book, it's um, it's it's well executed, and I think it's well executed on screen. I just I just quickly wondered about it. Yeah, other red herrings I liked because uh, we sort of mentioned them earlier. Um, I suppose we don't have to just tick them all off, but the um, but the if you f- liked it, yeah, the fireman, uh, lying for a completely different. Oh yeah, that reason. that was cool. I thought yeah. it was cool, and he had this like Shakespearean moment where when he's like. Eric Banner talks to him and he's like, you wasted our fucking time. And he's like, you think you're going to get the truth out of anyone in this town? Yeah, he he has this moment where he speaks in a way higher register than you would expect because he's like very eloquent at that point. And he's like, he reminded me of like... um, like the son from Mad Max, Fury <laughs> Road, where, you know, I don't know, he just talks in this like very strange way where it's almost like a break, breaking out of the confines of the character's role. Oh, I, I didn't, yeah, I, I didn't mind it, but I, I thought that was a cool, I thought I, I liked that as a quirk in the same way as the bullets were treated with utter reverence when they first found the clue. It was like, this is our clue. And then like, 
every cunt has those blue Yeah, it's so obvious. Like, so the like first time you see... Big blue shells. And yeah. even like when you see Gretchen with a big bag of blue bullets, we're like, it's her! Yeah. And then it's like, no. Yeah. No, it's, the, it's the country. And Everyone has guns. It can't There's two be types her. of bullets. It's way too obvious. But I was like, yeah. but also I want it to be her. Because yeah. fuck, it would make sense, wouldn't it? You exactly. Know? Yeah. And I, I, I liked that. So, uh, so just the idea that like... I, I liked the idea that it was... Not every single interaction with any character or any clue in the movie was about this fucking plot because mm. it's a complex town with shit going on and people are still living their lives. And so it's like, just because you watch Eric Banner talk to some dude doesn't mean he's a fucking suspect. He's got his own shit going on. He's not really in this movie. Mm. Yeah, he's, yeah. I kind of yeah. liked that. Um, and then what was the other one? There was, there was an, I wrote it down. There was another one. Um, the whole thing with, what did you think about Gretchen having a kid with Luke? I liked that aspect of it. But well, I, supposedly, it's never confirmed. It's, that's way. true. In my ba- mind, it, it I think was. it basically is. But it's never yeah. properly confirmed. Like, I've no. decided that's the case, but it's, yeah. n- it's never... And I watched closely again to see if she's like... And also, like, it's never confirmed either way, so... It why feels like she, she's not admitting it. Why yeah. was Gretchen... So, at, right. the end of, at the end of the movie, the final bit of closure that Eric Banner gets is she talk, he talks to Gretchen and... She says Luke was with me. He finds out Luke was with me. So he wasn't, he didn't come to your house to get you to say you were shooting rabbits to cover his ass. He was trying to cover your ass as a friend. He was, he was, he sincerely. Yeah, it means he didn't kill. Yeah, because he, he didn't yeah. kill her. So he was, he sincerely came to Aaron's house in the middle of the night and he was freaked out because he was worried for his mate. And he was like, dude, they're not going to believe you. You have to come up. I've given you this lie. I'll vouch for you. Yeah. So in the moment, and so he's like, oh, thank fuck. And so he's got this closure because he thought all these years that maybe uh, Luke was trying to cover his own ass. Yeah. Luke was trying to protect his mate. Why did Gretchen feel the need to lie about being with Luke? Well, was it I because feel that like would they kind of Gretchen and him kind of had a budding romance at the time, and they sort of did a, a little. Oh, they bit had of an it. actual romance. They talk well, about it off Gretchen again, off again thing. There was a, it was a no, no, no. Romance. I feel like Eric oh, Banner oh, and Gretchen the, had a thing right. going at the time because they were kind of closer initially. In the in the teenage scenes, I always thought where, that Luke like and Gretchen Luke, were, yeah, Luke and Gretchen were just dating. I think when they were in teenage. Oh, but like Luke jumps in the river with what's with Gretchen? No, and then Gretchen with says, Ellie. "Are you jealous, Ellie?" Right, but I thought he jumped in with Ellie, and that was when he tried no. to dunk on her. No, then later she's tr- he's trying to dunk Ellie. Oh, okay, yeah. right. Because here's what I thought happened, which I clearly just misinterpreted a little bit. Yeah. I thought they. I thought that the the two kind of like crossed over in their relationships a little bit because Eric started to have feelings for Ellie even though the other two were dating. Uh, no, I didn't get that. I just thought that like they were just friends and kissed and then she freaked out because they were supposed to just be friends. And then Right, right. Well, also, she was probably getting kissed by her dad. Like, yeah, well, that's... And uh, that's w- why she freaked out. On a rewatch, I was happier with like that element because yeah. she's so freaked out by it. And maybe that's why and she And then he's like, I'm sorry. And she's and, like, yeah. don't say sorry because it's not his fault. Like, she's fi- if you finish the sentence in your head. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, right. Yeah. Also, yeah. But I, I suppose I just don't... That was the one thing. I don't know why Gretchen said... Gretchen lied about being I suppose because maybe that doesn't give Luke probably that doesn't give Luke uh, probably just told Eric Banner an alibi yeah Luke probably just told her yeah maybe but the reason why she didn't come clean about it was because um she it would have incriminated him Mm. if she had told him and no no one had thought to tell him 
Maybe maybe they were together. We don't have to talk. This is this isn't good content anymore. But it's just like, why didn't she tell? If she's seen it. It is. I think. Why didn't? Because half the point of the movie was like that. Eric Banner has no idea whether he, whether Luke killed her or not. Mm. Whether whether Luke killed. So why didn't she Ellie? reveal that information earlier? Why didn't? Yeah. Mm. Like it seems like the con- it's it's been edited together so that the audience thinks that Luke might have killed Ellie. Yeah, but and we know Gretchen that Gretchen knows that no, he definitely did not. So surely there's. But Gretchen been says in the in the middle of the movie, I think she killed herself, and then beholds herself to that for the rest of the film. So it makes sense for her perspective yeah. to not need to clarify it because from her perspective, she killed herself, and that's the end of the story. And but she that's need almost to like a sitcom anything. level amount of misunderstanding. People where not like, talking to each other, but they haven't talked to each other for twenty years. Like I, I believed it. Like it's been twenty years. It's an old memory that they've mainly forgotten. And then they're having this dinner, and she's just trying to get to know her friend again. Yeah, so maybe this was just this moment where it, those two characters were just a bit too in their own heads. Where I, it's like if Eric had said, "I'm kind of thinking Luke did it," and she go, and she could have gone, "Oh, he absolutely didn't," because um, because I was with him that night, and so we're mm. fine. I don't know. I suppose there was never an instance for them to have that conversation. It does feel like at the point at which he was asking whether or not she thought Ellie killed herself or not. Under the umbrella of, by the way, we're here because Luke murdered his wife. Yeah, she should have been like. People are talking about how this might be related to that first thing. You know, or I, if you're wondering if he was, if it was related to that time, it's not. But if she never put together that he felt like he was worried because he knew that that alibi wasn't true, if they never, if she never knew that the two of them had agreed on that. But it's talk of the town. Like, it's pretty but common I suppose knowledge. no one thinks Luke... No one in the town thinks Luke did it. Everyone in the town thinks Eric Banner did it. Exactly. So there's no reason... Maybe there's no reason... Maybe there's no reason for her to think that Eric Banner suspects his friend of the murder. That's kind of what I mean, yeah. Right. Until he murders his wife. Right. But the, and, and I guess it would take him raising it and he doesn't really do that. If you so, haven't seen the movie, yeah. this sucks, but I'm very interested Maybe. about the conversation. Yeah, and I think I also wonder if this is delved more into in the book. Yeah. Where you get a lot more of his internal dialogue, or maybe, you know, there's a couple more moments or something where um <laughs> it's it's they, they, they approach it or they talk about it or it's justified that they don't ever ask. But yeah, I agree. But I also don't mm. think I noticed that while I was watching it. I don't know. On a rewatch again, I just thought the characters were more compelling than I first thought. Because <laughs> Gretchen, no, says, I lo- I Gretchen says, I don't want to talk about this anymore and kind of closes it off. Like, it's Can like just she just drink? doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah. Whether, whether it makes sense or not, as a human, she just has a motivation for just wanting to avoid it. So, yeah. I don't know. I was sold on it. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to think about it. I think that's my only hole in the whole mystery is why didn't... Why did Gretchen lie about that earlier? What reason did she have to mm. lie about being with Luke? You mm. should read the book. See how you go. See if you... Yeah. yeah. Tall order. <laughs> well, one thing I wanted I'm to mention was that the fact that the fire scene at near the end of the film was probably one of my favourite f- scenes in cinematic history. That like, was so stressful. I really liked that scene. Yeah. The music that's happening in the background, yeah. the actual effects that are happening intercut with the revelation for the first mystery. It's just... So I thought it was good. great. I was looking forward to rewatching it a second time, and boy, was I fucking impressed yeah. again! Like, was the really it's just selfishness so of that dude, and the implications that the fire is going to have on like the whole community. Yeah, it's like, mate, just fucking shoot yourself. Don't yeah. start a bushfire, for fuck's sake. Yeah, yeah. The um, I thought it was wonderful how long that scene went for, and like. 
I guess it's probably not a very common thing for people to say, but you get so... That's the payoff of the whole movie, yeah. right? Really. And it takes its fucking time. Yeah. Because you watch him walk through the whole house. Yeah. You watch him do every single thing. And normally you, you that's all that a movie would try take. and get a lift for his bike being right. flat. But it's cutting back and forth yeah. in between this fucking burning tackle that's well, happening slang, the whole insane time. Insane slow motion fire right. scene. And which I think... I don't know how they did it, but no. it seems like they used the real talent for it, which I can't imagine they did. I like but to think that the main yeah. villain, well, he ends up being the villain. He was cast because he was like a fire stunt guy. Maybe. <laughs> and so it he looks was, fucking creepy. It looks like he just set himself on fire. It's just, yeah. Honestly, yeah. I got a bad vibe off that dude straight away did you? just because he looked so weird. His oh, outfit's right. insane. He did not fit he's, into that fucking place. Because he's the, he's the nicest wall. to Eric Banner in the entire town. Yeah, so, yeah. And then on reflection... You're like, well, of course he's fucking nice to this guy so that he fucking goes away. And he wants him to not have fights so that he fucking... I don't know, like, on reflection, again, like, sure, I agree that the mystery is a bit out of nowhere, but none of the characters' motivations don't make sense. No, it's very, it's very, um, very grounded. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's... I I think this film is not melodramatic in a wonderful way. And um, I think it would have been such a worse film if they'd tried to make it any more like conspiratorial or it feels very real and very believable yeah, yeah exactly. very realistic mm. but also very complex that's what i mean by grounded in yeah. a way that i think is so it's like such an achievement because you don't mm. get that a lot in like mystery style movies. no it's very easy to make them either way too simple and melodramatic or just a fucking mess yeah and it's like yeah like agatha christie where it's like you miss this one thing in this fucking giant pile of other things and it seemed equally as important as the other shit but that was the clue because i wrote this backwards yeah Mm. Yeah. so i I loved that i didn't get that frustration in this film yeah i love it's a great crime fiction it's so good it's mm. really good. Is that about all we've got then i think i think we're about so yeah we're we're coming up on two hours so let's call it yeah all right Uh, we always forget about a better than worse than, and I oh. haven't seen many other Australian crime things that I can compare this yeah, to. Yeah, Zach, you're probably in the best position to do a better than worse than here. I haven't seen it for a while, but I might even say this is better than Seven. Oh, okay, crime yeah. fiction. Close, but oh, I reckon shit. better than better than Seven. Worse than though. I mean, Boy. they're different, but in terms of recent movies with a while well, you're thinking recent movies with a mystery in them, I liked this mystery a lot more than the mystery in Knives Out. Yeah, the Knives enough. Out mystery felt very theatrical and hammy. It did. It felt like a play and a bit like a magic trick in a way that <laughs> yeah. this didn't. Yeah, and sure. I liked that a lot. Mm. Uh, and I think that this is, I think Animal Kingdom is still up there as one of the best crime films of all time. That is, this is not as good as that for me. I, I, I don't even want to say worse than because like they're both really good. And yeah. Animal Kingdom is not a, it's not a mystery. There's no mystery element to it. It's very much a... Gang film, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's about like a crime family mm. in Melbourne or whatever. So it's less, but it's, but it's sort of similar in its tension mm. and in its tone, I guess. Yeah. Of like being constantly under threat. So uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely, I just love that movie so much. This is this has done well to even come close to it. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of something that this is like markedly better than that's even comparable to it. Um, I'm happy with Knives Out. I know they're going for completely different tones, but for me, I like. I- I'm comfortable saying this is better than Knives Out. I love Knives Out, but I think this is 
better than it in terms of... Because what I went into Knives Out for was like, I love those old Agatha Christie books. I'm going into this looking for a mystery. And I think this accomplished the mystery and the cast of characters in a way that turns me on a lot better than it did in uh, <laughs> Knives Out. Mm. Makes you anything but dry, mate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sick. I reckon if you catch me on a certain day, I'd say Memento is better than this, but it depends on oh. depends on my mood because the murder mystery at the center of that and just Guy Pearce's character in that, I, I find really compelling. Memento but. is great. I think, that, I mean, for all my big talk about a movie treating you like you're smart, I think Memento is a little bit more... Mm, just um, withhold stuff from you. It's a, bit, it's a bit more opaque and a, a, a bit more like deliberately, deliberately difficult to understand. Yeah. In a way, I feel like it's Christopher Nolan showing off how smart he is. Yeah. I, I would almost agree with you that Memento is better, mm. but something about... Um, like I feel like this was a complex story presented in a complex way, mm. but I think Memento for me is a very simple, simple story, story presented in a presented complex in a complex way, way yeah. that's like he's he's like uh, hamming up his own story to be like, haven't I done a complex thing here? It's like, well, it wouldn't have been, mm. but mm. I feel like there's no. I'm thinking out loud. I'm not trying to contradict. I'm just thinking out loud. No, I feel like there's no simple way of presenting this. Uh, story the dry and mm. doing it justice yeah that's true yeah like i said i depends on mood i reckon like it's so so hard because I, I really like this film so yeah and i really try and get as many people as i can to see it i think we've established a good palette uh, there of films yeah. that we've got have you, have you andrew's been frantically googling while he's been silent no, 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 googling um yeah i mean i watched one at the <laughs> melbourne Solitaire. international <laughs> film festival <laughs> yeah <laughs> just checked out um i watched one at the melbourne international film festival called uh kusipan kusipan it's um, from, uh, what's well, a Quebec Inu word, and it's about um, two young women who are friends who kind of like end up growing apart, and you, I think if I recall correctly, I'm actually kind of struggling to remember too much about it, but if I recall correctly, there's some wedge that gets driven between them and you're not 100% sure like what it is or they're not clear on the details or something, yeah. but there's some rift, and it very much has that same small town feeling where everything you do has you're pissing someone off because you're doing something for someone else and and it sounds like it's doing that thing with obfuscating information to the right. to the audience in a similar kind of way yeah and that was really good and again going for a bunch of different things but um i i think this I liked this a lot better, probably because I just saw a lot of a lot more of my own country and relatability yeah. in it, which it's was cool because nice. you just don't see it on the screen as much Not as that the American much. stuff. Yeah, yeah. great. Nice. Are we cool. going to call it there then? Let's call great. it. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming on the app, Zach. Yeah, yeah. Great. And thanks, thanks for suggesting for this one. Me. Yeah, and, no, no, no. Uh, and I, uh, for being a proponent of Australian films. Uh, it's a good suggestion. Doing, doing my best. Yeah, and I'll make mm. sure that I give a shout out to the, my boys at Meat Satellite on the radio <laughs> next time. So that's great. Thank you, Andrew and Andrew. I'll let them know. I now, I now no longer regret calling it fucking ABC Radio. Fuck <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, tune in to Zach on the fucking SBS, whatever the fuck it is. Um, thank you for coming on. Uh, thanks for sticking with us, everyone, for 100 episodes. I know this is technically the 101st episode. Stay tuned for if we ever get a live app off the ground. It'll be great to see you yeah, all. Yeah, we definitely will. Um, God knows when we'll get another app up. I'll see you in 
fucking fucking Christmas. Yep. Whenever episode <laughs> yep. 102 yep. comes out. Well, again, I think most of this was me having to take about a month off to make this fucking film. But, oh, it, was a, um, it was a group effort. We were both yeah, pretty slack. But, uh, but I yeah, also we'll had to take a break from the podcast to help out making that film. So. <laughs> True. <laughs> Sorry, everyone, for uh, making you wait. Love, but we'll, uh, we'll get back on it. The few people that hit me up uh, <laughs> saying where the fuck is this podcast was lovely. Oh, I really want to do Promising Young Woman. Yeah, That's what we got to fucking do. We got to do Promising Young Woman. I saw it's that recently. Very good film as well. Yeah. Yeah, cool. strong recommend. Cool. So yeah, all right, great. Thanks for joining us, guys. Outro music's been playing, I'm sure. Join yeah, us for, for a while. <laughs> Looped it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Oscar. Uh, I'm Andrew, and I was Zach. Hey. See you later. All right, Bye. thanks, folks. Bye. Sometimes when this place gets kind of empty, sound of the breath fades with the light. I think about. Loveless fascination Under the Milky Way tonight Lower the curtain down Memphis Lower the curtain down on right I got no time Private consultation Under the